everybody. Another episode of The Straight Cut coming to you from West End Cigars inside the Members Lounge. I am Aaron. This is Mark. And I'm Brandon. Oh, we got... I didn't think you were going to make it. There's <laughs> it a delay. What's a delay? A slight delay. You're uh, overseas. Uh, so we got, a, we got a guest in here tonight. We got a cool guest. Yeah. Be who we got. Well, we are honored to be joined by Sir Jonathan Carney uh, from La Florida Minicana. Uh, also hacking gourmet, so they are in town doing a fun uh, event for us tomorrow. So excited to have him on this evening to share a little bit about what he's been up to. So I've always wanted that was on a I was on a show a couple weeks back, and they asked like what you would want in front of your name, like a saying, you know, they you got like Sir Sir Paul McCartney, yeah, and I just got called Sir Jonathan Carney, which. I had said I wanted like a double name, like a like a Klaus or like a Hans, like Hans Jonathan. Hearing Sir Jonathan Carney, <laughs> that's it. actually my answer. Okay, just got to get the Queen, get knighted, beautiful now. one, nailed it. It's like adding Esquire to the end of your name. Well, that was the conversation we have. You don't get to just add Esquire though. Yeah. That you have to go to law. You got to go to law school. Yeah, oh, I mean, you sure. could technically add it. No, I but guess you could like, write it all at the end. Yeah, right. but like <laughs> Sir has to be like you know, pointed upon you. Yeah. Like it's almost like an anointment, yeah. right? So like when you get sor- Sir, Esquire, you earn it. Sir is an anointment. Is that, so, the, hi- is that the highest honor? For me, I don't know. It's pretty close. I'd rather be anointed than appointed. Yeah. You know, like you get appointed Esquire, you get anointed Sir. Doctor, I've noticed doctor, you know, it's that popular. gets paid a lot. Just sometimes, saying on the paid. Sometimes. sometimes. I, I've seen a lot of doctors, though. More money, more problems, right? Yeah. Like right. I, well, that's dentists, definitely true. Some of these dentists can't keep it under control. They get doctor. They buy all this equipment. <laughs> they have a dental practice. They get involved in that's a pyramid true. scheme, and then they don't have any money left over. And if anybody's listening, and, and I literally just gave you the definition of what happens like 90% of dentists, yeah. they're also coincidentally the highest suicide rate of I, any yeah, doctor. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's because of the pyramid scheme. Amway kills. It is. Um, there, if you get it wired, it can be very profitable. But if you don't get it wired, it's not. Of, of all the medical advances we've had in technology, dentistry still uses drills and chisels. Like, you can you can so literally you see MRI inside your body. But, yeah, we still got to use a drill to get something out well, of your face. Technically, we've been able to see inside our bodies for a couple hundred years. So I'm not sure that's, like, I mean, we've got A couple better. hundred years? A couple you hundred can perform years. laser, like, surgeries, so... That's yeah, a, but like you don't impressive. do that with your teeth. But cutting someone open isn't necessarily kind of technic- technology. Kind of tumor advancement. off my brain. I mean, it let's uh, off my and, pituitary near my brain. Yeah, but that's what that's I'm saying. That's pretty impressive. Yes, that is. But dentistry still uses drills. Like hmm. we can't even that's regrow cool. enamel back. Like we can't regrow anything back. It is shocking. I'll tell you. You grow that, an ear on a rat. Yeah, there's a lot of dentistry advancements that I've noticed over the last few years, like getting your teeth clean is a lot better than it used to be. Like they had a little sucker in your mouth, a little mm-hmm. suction thing, so you don't have to spit out anymore. Yep. But I'm going to tell you, it's, it's kind of shocking, You're right? Like we haven't figured out how to, to grow enamel, but it, but why would you have to regrow enamel when you can literally just yank the tooth out and put something in? It's going to last forever. Do it. Put a, put a, you get an implant in. Yeah, yeah. Was like root canals now are like, are, are like a, a easier than getting a paper cut. Yeah, I mean, I got, I got a root canal two weeks ago and I like, it was hyped up like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. And it was fucking easy. Like, I couldn't for the feel record, anything. You and, cried about it for three days. Ah, I, I, because yeah, people I cried about it. I'm not buying this. Now, easiest thing ever. Before, before, I because I didn't know. No, and then it's like, it is. I haven't had one, fortunately, but my father's had 
I mean, his hat, 90% of his mouth's implants. He's got new teeth. They're great. He's 73 years old this year, and his teeth are the best they've ever looked. I mean, he's got a grill that is just beautiful (laughs) because it's all implants. But I said to him, I was like, you know, these people worry about going to the dentist. By the way, for me, like going to the dentist is like a woman or anyone going to get their nails done. Like when I go to cleaning, there's people get scared of getting a cleaning. Like I love it. It's like pampering to me. Like I, I get my teeth cleaned every other month. Just because it's awesome. Like, go in, get pampered. Wow. I don't mind that stuff. They numb it. Like, root canals. They numb the root, and then they take it out. The root's where the feeling's at. When it's gone, you don't feel anything. So it's perfect. So the yeah. people get concerned about it because of the concept of what's happening. I mean, a root canal is one of the easiest things I think you can get done now, and that's yeah. a big advancement. I'd say probably 50 years ago, well, it's like not when, so much. Like, we're going to rip a root out, and we're not going to numb it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might die. Like, yeah. yeah, it was like when my, <laughs> when my dad 50, got but... one, like, on the Navy ship in the, you know, in the 70s like yeah they probably just, just not it fond out. of people sticking things in my mouth yeah so. it's understandable <laughs> so i think where we're at now i mean before the show got first of all thank you for having me but we talked hey what should we talk about should there be an agenda i said why don't we just wing it i'm, I'm very much regretting that now <laughs> right we kind of went hard left right yeah, the, first, the just... first five minutes has been dentistry sticking things yeah. in people's mouths yep. so a problem. how long have you been with lfd so it's very interesting that you asked that because today yeah. is actually my 10 year anniversary wow nice yeah, so 10 years you time. remember and, and i don't remember her last name but uh i owned a shop in springfield uh, scars for a fish and i was, I was one of many owners but i was in Michelle Stewart. Uh, Stewart. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, was our rep there. We sold the crap out of LFD. Yeah, Michelle's awesome. She works Michelle's for um, CLE now. Yeah, she works for CLE. She's great. Uh, I've, I've always uh, really respected her, and she's uh, you know a woman in a, in a man's business. And she does uh, she's very thrived. well. Yeah, she's and uh, she does a great job for Christian, and I, I got a lot of respect for her. Uh, coincidentally, I have not seen her in a while because of COVID and whatnot. Um, but yeah, she's great, and I, I was with the company for about a year and a half when she was with us. Cool. And um, and uh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's real real good, and she does a great job in the business. Yeah, the the LFD brand um, sells well everywhere that I've been. It's amazing how consistent the product is, but. Um, so what is your, you're the whole country, you're, you're over the reps. Yeah. So I'm the vice president of sales. So technically as we expand as a company, my, you know, my region, I guess would say expands, but I, I oversee the sales domestically here. Okay. Um, I don't do much internationally because okay. a lot of the international business is handled through distributors and here in the United States, we're the distributor. Right. Um, so we do distribution agreements internationally. Um, the reason that's easier is there's a lot of taxes, international laws, depending on where you're at. And these distributors have been set up for an extended period of time. So they're, they're used to doing it. And really you're working just directly with the procurement of the product. So, uh, Lido and Tony and Inez handle that for the most part. And the main reason is because they travel over to Europe. Okay. They like traveling over there. They, you know, the inner to back uh, is the big trade show over in Germany and Dortmund. Um, I'll, I'll eventually be involved in that in some capacity in the future. Cool. But right now they, they go over and handle that. And all that's handled out of the Dominican Republic for the most part. Uh, so we don't ship it into the country here first because that would just be ridiculous to yeah. pay import fees and then ship it again. It would greatly impact the cost. Uh, so, yeah, I handle most everything here. In, uh, well, everything here in the United States. Uh, I, I get involved a little bit in Canada. Um just because I'm, I live close to their part of the year. So I'm going to have some good relationships there. I, I get along. I'm like, like they're, I'm can, mostly, I'm half Canadian, essentially. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, that, that's so why I handle sorry some of that. some of the time? Uh, I, I don't say sorry, 
but uh, and I and I'm never I very rarely apologize for much of anything. I uh, probably should apologize more, but I, I'd have to figure out what I have to apologize first before I could do that. But. So where are you out of? Uh, so I'm based out of Miami. I split time between Miami and Orlando, and then uh, I also spend a good amount of the summer up in the Northeast, uh, just because okay. the weather uh, the weather is a much better alternative. So I'm fortunate that I get to travel around via airplane, because uh, ultimately it doesn't matter where I end up as long as I end up somewhere else where I need to be sure. uh, the next week. So it, it, it allows me to, to be kind of where I want to be for the weekends or if there's an extended period of time where there's no travel, sure. um, I try to spend as much time with my family up in Maine as I can. But yeah, I split time between Orlando and Miami when I'm in, uh, when I'm in Florida. Nice. So did you travel through the pandemic? Because the pandemic has mm-hmm. been um, someplace, some, some, I know some reps or some Sales folks have traveled still. Some didn't. Some aren't still. Um, but you traveled during. Yeah, during. so I, I did no travel from March, April, May, and June. And then okay. July, I was down in Miami uh, covering the office because we had some concerns with some of the staff that had COVID. Uh, so I went down there. And then after that, I, I traveled August, September, October, November, December. And I, I didn't travel at normal schedule. Uh, but I would say I wasn't... Um, I was careful in everything I did. I always wore a mask. I made sure I was following CDC guidelines and whatnot. Um, but I was out and around. Um, cool. You know, I did I did some big events in Atlanta in August last year. Um, there's some bit some some functions that I've been doing. So you know, we've been doing the gourmet smoke sessions, which we'll get into a little bit because we got yeah. that going on here in uh, Little Rock tomorrow, uh, actually in Conway. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, I traveled. I, I definitely traveled. I August and September and October, I traveled almost a normal schedule because I wanted to see what was going on. Um, and it, the, everything was closed, you know, it was challenging. It was, there was heavy restrictions in terms of occupancy. Uh, so it was really tough. So I, I took it easy in November, December, and January, and then I ramped it up a little bit in March and April. Um, and I, I'd say I'd probably doing about 50% of the travel that okay. I used to do. And it'll probably stay that way for a while. It was well, the big thing with, with the last year and a half is it showed, you know, the size of the company you are, we're, we're not making an endless amount of cigars, which is probably obvious to a lot of retailers and consumers. There's shortages sometimes. It's not because we're not making cigars. The demand's exponentially higher. Right. Um, so if I'm going out and traveling, the concept is to go out and try to sell something, right? So if you go out and you already have it on order, all you're doing is selling something in the future. Um, so, it, you know, the amount of time going out, you know, in 2019, I traveled 300 days at wow. 175 flights and 280 hotel nights. I, that's never going to happen again. <laughs> if anybody's doing that in the industry now, I mean, it's insane. They're, they're desperate. Yeah. Um, you just don't need to spend that kind of money to have the impact that you have uh, now. And that really, that environment that we had the last year, that was something that came of that. It was like, all right, we're all going to work smarter and hard at the same time, but we're not just going to go out and pound the pavement because it doesn't make any sense. Is, right? is that the biggest thing y'all learn? Yeah, yeah, I'd say, I mean, this industry, I mean, it was almost a badge of honor to see who traveled the most. Um, And I think Juan Lopez from Gurkha is probably one that travels one of the top five. I think uh, Terrence Riley from Aganorsa, top five. I'd say Jose Ortega from my father used to be out there a lot. I don't think they're traveling at all. And then probably myself and then Rocky. Um, you know, I don't put myself in the same echelon as Rocky, but in terms of the amount of travel, so it was kind of like a competition. We'd always get together and be like Terrence, be like, Hey, your Terrence traveled every week for the last year. It seems like he's still out there as they're getting Aganorsa, you know, still representing that, uh, 
to a high level. But he's out there all the time, and I, I don't know if that's necessary. Maybe it is for him. He likes doing it. Um, but Juan Lopez was always the one I'd run into and be like, dude, how many days did you travel last month? Oh, I traveled 29. I'm like, yeah, I did 27. He's like, oh, I got you. And then the next month, I'd do like 30. So I was gone like the whole month. And he's like, oh, I only did 25. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's just not necessary. And, um, you know, and how effective can you be being gone for 25, 30 days a month when you go into a shop? Like, if you got event number 30, uh-huh. I mean, yeah. there's no way you're on you're on yeah. your game. You're just, just gassed by the, by think, the end of that. I mean, I think I've... You know, people are starting to travel again. Certainly the relationship between us as retailers and cigar shops have had to adapt over the last year. But it's interesting how people have found ways, you know, to to do things differently. Shops uh, or manufacturers, uh, different cigar brands, their sales teams, uh, marketing, and all that that has adapted and come up with some different ideas. And people are, I I think, you you know, that was a, you were right on when you said, I think we always, as far as the sales reps and things, it's always just beat the pavement, and that, that's how you grow is, is get in more shops, make more visits, you know, make more phone calls. Uh, and, and now they had to think about other ways to do it, just like us as uh, retailers had to do the same thing. We had to think of, well, how can we reach our customers, you know, when we can't have in-person events? We can't just drive people into the store uh, and say, hey, you know, come in, and, and because things change. And how, how do you adapt to that? And I think those that are willing to do that are going to be stronger, whether things go back to, you know, air quotes on, on, on this end, uh, normal or not. Right. And, and so I, I think that's smart. I think smart, smart people, smart leaders for, you know, in companies are doing that and you're going to, all of it's not going to stay, you know, the zoom events, they didn't go over as well as a lot of people thought they're still can be effective and, and people might still do them occasionally, but you're not going to keep everything. Um, you know, but you're going to learn some things that are going to make you a lot stronger and healthier as a company. So, well, I, I think the biggest challenge, well, before I get to the biggest challenge, because you mentioned something about Zoom events, which I have a strong opinion about Zoom events. But the, you know, the first thing was the retailer was going through an adverse time. And all of us had no idea what was going to happen, right? And we still have no idea what the next step is. Fortunately, we all, for the most part, had like ridiculous years. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't get enough product. Uh, You know, you're trying to order more than you ever ordered and you're getting half of what you had. Um, You know, so everything kind of went out the window because business was going out of control and it's still going out of control. We're in the middle of a big boom. Um, It's the biggest we've had since the early 90s. And it's a little bit of a bubble and it's going to self-correct to an extent, but it's not going to self-correct down. Like it's going to stay up. So you as a retailer, like, how do I make better decisions? Like, how do I, how do I get creative and how do I change the way my business works? And one of those things was, I don't have people in here that are representing the brand every week or every month anymore. So how do I do this without them? So you found a way to do it without them. And then our end, it's like, how do we make more effective visits? You know, so for a company like us being small, if I'm a sales rep coming into your store, with the amount of product we have, the demand for the product is exponentially higher than what we have available and what we're able to make and what we're ever going to make, you know, as we slowly grow. If I'm coming in here and waiting for you and you're waiting for me to get an order in, we're already behind. Like we need to be months ahead. You know, we need to be ahead of that. So really what it is making more productive, smarter visits and being more in tune with the retailer via the phone, via email, via Zoom, via any type of concept that you're comfortable using. So setting up your business before we show up. 
um, is really what it's about. And in, in reality, for our salespeople now, as we expand again, you know, their jobs is to make sure the business is set up when they sh- before they show up. When they show up, it should be, this is what we got going on. This is the next time I'm going to be here. If we're going to be doing an event, this is the outline of what we're going to do. And you just execute. Um, and then you go on to the next stop. And that next stop is different. You know, it may not be the same outline the same time but it's what do we need to do for your business and if you're not doing that as a retailer and you're not doing it as a manufacturer and you're just pounding the pavement you're, you're missing out uh, because you need to be you know proactive with it now the zoom thing which is interesting um it's interesting to me that you have a strong opinion yeah well the that. zoom so thing <laughs> so i had this strong opinion on it early because we started the hacking gourmet it turned to hacking gourmet in july last year but we started quarantine grilling and the concept was to create some events that were actually events and the reason why I'll, I'll say the company straight up and they've done a great job with it with product but they but i think it's been lost is drew state started doing all these zoom events so we're going to hang out with jonathan drew at night and this and that and it got kind of watered down because what is a zoom a Zoom is like a conference call. It's a yeah. meeting. Nobody wants to sit in a conference call all day. Now, people did, but it doesn't happen continuously, and it didn't have as much of an impact on the retail level as it could have had. And they just did a big program, I think, recently, which I thought was great, where they had the special accessories. Uh, I think it might have been Live Loud or something, some mm-hmm. concept like mm-hmm. that. Live Loud, I think, was Alec Bradley's catchphrase. But they did this thing. They had a special cigar. They had It was great. I thought that was really good. And if they could have executed that on Zoom, the Zoom events they did. And I know the sales reps, you know, they were trying to get the sales reps involved. So it made sense. But I watched that. I'm like, how do we make this better? Because I don't want people in a conference call. I want them watching a show. I want them being part of something. So, yeah, that's why for me, I tried to, as soon as I could, I tried to get away from Zoom as much as possible when I was promoting the brand. Like, I can't be on Zoom because all it is is a conference call. Yeah. And I I think, and I haven't talked to them about this. Um, but I think they, they learned from that. And that the last one they did is the one you're talking about where they released the new cigar mm-hmm. that was unbanded. They made it more of an interactive. Uh, they gave a bunch of stuff away, which we won the grand prize, which is like a big stand up cabinet humidor, which is cool. Hopefully I'll get that at some point. Um, <laughs> but I think they saw it too. You yeah. know, like if we do these with every, you know, vendor or we do in one every week, it doesn't right. have the same impact. Um, and people, a lot of people are having to do this for work and right. it just didn't go over, um, consistently. I yeah, think and there were good some involvement. of them that really Like good. every time I watched one, there was people involved, but the involvement and the interaction slowly stopped. And then when you get one of those things, you have something that dominates a conversation. So like if I'm on a zoom call with you yeah, and there's like 20 of us, chances are I'm probably going to talk more than anybody else. Like I like to talk. So you get whoever's the most comfortable talking, and then you just got people sitting there, and you're looking at 30 people listening to the dominant yeah. person talk. Right. And no disrespect to Jonathan Drew, how many times can you sit and watch him talk? Yeah. You know, when he's right in front of you. Now, he's got an incredible pull in the industry, mm-hmm. but it was it was interesting to watch him go into a Zoom call and be part of it, and week after week, day after day. It was just a little bit too much. It was trying to – you need to change the dynamic, and they did. And that last program they did was – incredible it was a home run yeah the, the it was la- awesome the last one seemed more like kind of like one of those old like a oh. uh, jerry lewis like telethon things where it's like it's presentations and stuff and it's more and it's not the q a format it's like oh we're doing this we're going to this and then mm-hmm. we're going to this right. and you and almost it, have to move one way or the other yeah, yeah and that, that was the goal call. with you know what we did with the with our shows with hacking gourmet and then the florida minicana gourmet smoke session was like how can we make this a show and we started early and at first it was just a fun show but the whole concept was to build up and learn what we were doing and learn the production program 
So when things got to a point where we felt comfortable, it was like, I could launch some events with this. Yeah. So I could launch virtual events, and it was a virtual show. And then when I could get into a store, I can actually do this show from your store, which nice. is what's happening tomorrow. Um, so now it's easier for us because we're a smaller company. There's not a marketing department. There's not an advertising yeah. department. All I had to do was say, this is what I've done the last three months. This mm -hmm. is my concept. Tell Lito, tell Lito and Inez what it is. And they said, oh, that's great. Go ahead. Right. So then I get to do it, and I have... I can change graphics every week. It doesn't have to go through marketing. There's no hierarchy, uh, you know, because we're a small corporation. They're a massive corporation. So to, to do sure. something like that, you got to learn and get feedback. Sure. And they also had like 100 reps. So it's like you got to have 100 people. Yeah. I don't know if it's 100, but it seems like Trained 100. And make sure yeah, they got to do something. So, so like they got to do something. We're not traveling. Get on Zoom and talk to people. Yeah, so yeah. I, I give them a hand, hats off. They were, they were the best at exposure, but it just seemed to be a little bit of overexposure. Well, and Zoom is, I do Zoom from, uh, you know, 8, 7.30 in the morning to, to 5.30 at night. And so I, I don't mind sitting on them. I'm comfortable there. But it was strange to see some people who were, like, trying to figure out how mute works and then other people who were, like, really comfortable. And I got to the point on those too. where, right, where I just put myself on mute because I'm one of, like you, I can dominate the conversation. They, they don't need that, right? So you, you want to be supportive. You know, the one thing we haven't done, Aaron, you've fallen down on your job. We're smoking a special cigar tonight. I was waiting for, I just, I was, I was trying to find that moment. To okay. Well, I'm going to use this <laughs> moment. finding a, a, a right. free moment. So here. Mark yeah. and I are on the show. Nobody's talking. No, nobody no. else is talking. Um, we're smoking a special cigar. I, uh, I've noticed that uh, B has smoked completely through his A, uh, and I'm starting to burn my A. Yeah, so we're doing the uh, the Airbender Maduro with a special A on it. So is that is that the so that's another leaf that's laid then on top. Yeah, that's a candela leaf okay. on top oh, of the Airbender cool. Maduro, and uh, this is the Arkansas edition. It's it's gourmet smoke session number nine. Yeah, nice. Nine of sixteen, I believe. Yeah, nine of sixteen in season one. There will be a season two. All right. Uh, so season two is going to be starting wow. in twenty twenty two. Uh, so this is number nine of 16. The grand finale will be at Davidoff of Geneva in Tampa okay. uh, with uh, Corona Cigar Company and Jeff Borshowitz of Corona. That will be the grand finale. And we are going to release a set, a box set with a special knife and everything in it to all the retailers that participated in season one. So they'll have the opportunity to get that special box that will have one of each of the cigars in it and a nice. special branded knife and nice packaging. Like a chef knife? Yeah, nice. yep, and we'll be launching that at the end um, in February 2022. Season two will start shortly after that. Probably at the end of February, we'll start season two. And it'll be a little bit different concept, but we'll still have the special cigars, and some of the retailers will uh, will repeat. Yeah. Um, but then we're going to seek out some other ones too. But, yeah, this is really special. This is The, the A is for Arkansas. It's been dubbed uh, La Cima de Aguda, which means the razor back, <laughs> not razor back. The Razor Back. Um, and that A stands for the state of Arkansas. It has no affiliation with any universities or trademarks. It's just an A, <laughs> the first letter in yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I wonder if anybody that, that's, that, so that's Spanish, this name you just I think it's up? Spanish, yes. I wonder if that's like a back razor. It probably is. Like the ones they sell on Amazon. Yeah. or somebody out there that, that speaks Spanish, please, please call us and, and, and tell us that that's like a back razor or something. Well, that we, would be we, hilarious. We've, we've got guys in Mexico that listen to us, so they'll, uh, yeah. they'll let us know. Or Greg uh, Padre, yeah. who's, who speaks fluent Spanish, will yeah. tell us. There's several. We have several fluent yeah. Spanish speakers who will uh, 
make Undou- sure we're uh, are, yeah, undoubtedly at this point screaming at, if we're wrong. And if they're not, they're shaking their heads saying well, that. And, no. and, and I will say because they will, you know, tell us when we're wrong. Because evidently, I got it wrong last week where it wasn't Joseph that was in the fish in the Bible; it was Jonah. So Jonah. Oh, I'm sorry. Jonah. Yeah, I got stuff. I got I didn't, I didn't called out that. so many fucking times Bruce, on that. Bruce, uh, actually, who listens to the podcast, um, uh, said that he wanted to comment because he wanted to tell us we were right about something, and I said. You need to get that out there because that doesn't <laughs> Wait, that doesn't Bruce? happen. Yeah, our Bruce. Bruce. And Bruce. nobody ever wants to tell you what you do right. It's always about what ah. you do no, wrong. No, but Bruce did. He's a news guy. That's why. What yeah. was yeah. it that you did right, though? I don't know. He didn't tell me. Oh, oh. So that's <laughs> what I just said. Nobody ever some, tells something you. I criticized Aaron that we, over. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't want to inflate our head on that. That's one, right. So. so, no, it's been funny because so I've been throwing different Spanish names with this. So I work with Lito and, uh, and Tony on these. So I tell them the concept that we got and I pitch them each event. I pitch a bunch of different ideas. Um, we some get super elaborate, some are like real purposeful. Um, but I always throw some sort of a Spanish nickname on it, and I don't tell them what it is. So they they make the cigar. I tell them what's going on with it, what I want to do, and ninety nine percent of the time, it's kind of in my head what I thought it would come mm-hmm. out like. Um, and then I give it this Spanish name, and they're like, "What are you calling it?" So it's a joke from month to month. But there's no way they're keeping track of these names. And my goal is with the packaging at the end is to have the little nickname below. Yeah, that'd be and cool. I've tried really hard. I have uh, Barry Stein, uh, Barry B- below now, uh, from the Cigar Authority. Up in New Hampshire, I actually run a bunch of names through him because he has like a trademark thing. I think I could probably do it too, but he just does it easier because he writes on it. But I'll send him some names and I was like, hey, is this good? Is this good? He's like, yeah, you're good. So I, I check up with him on it. He's kind of been, they were the first session we did at Two Guys Smoke Shop with the Cigar Authority in September okay. of last year. So I run stuff by him and uh, sure he's like, oh, not- this is good. You can do it. There's like, oh, there's a cigar name like this, but it's not trademark. So you could change the names of it. Um, so I, I always give it some sort of a Spanish name at the end and, and yeah. Tony and Lito always laugh about it because I, I, I think they laugh because probably La Cima de, de Aguda means something other than it's directly the Razorback, <laughs> yeah. but the way it's said, who knows? I don't know. Well, it's like, we, we have an episode called Fuego de Caballo, which is translates to like the horse fire. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, we, we get close where it's funny. And that's all that we, that's all that, right. you know, matters to us. Yeah. There was uh there was a couple of manufacturers that released a cigar with the same exact name at the show. Oopsie. Yeah. You know, and all you gotta do is throw a Spanish name on something to make it sound Spanish. Yeah. And throw, throw a lot. People or, love it. Like yeah. us, everybody here loves it a lot. An L or dot. Yeah. I mean like Lenox is, mm-hmm. is Spanish and Latin. Like that's the Lenox is not, those that doesn't work that way. Yeah, I don't know, but it's but everybody it's loves delicious. the name. They think it's cool. <laughs> yeah, the I don't know about the good. name, but Scar's yeah, you, good. Th- you throw names around, and all, all it's gonna do is look and sound Spanish. It doesn't matter the accuracy of it. Yeah, yeah. my wife was like, "That's a pretty box." <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, to the to the Lenox thing too. I mean, you take it's it shows love to Van Gogh too. So it's that's why I like that one a lot. So are you a Lenox or a Lavacana? Guy? I'm a you know I go back and forth. I'm a Lenox guy because I literally just smoked a Lenox, and it was awesome. And uh, so I I think I'm a Lenox guy, but I'll smoke a Lavacana. I'm like I'm a Lavacana yeah. guy. I go back and they're forth. both good cigars. I'm yeah. a, I think I prefer it's whatever's the in hand at the time. But but yeah, guys. So tonight we've got the Airbender Maduro. This is a six and a half by sixty big boy. This is the biggest cigar we've done so far for one of the, the gourmet smoke sessions. Nice. Um, we've not yet to do anything in the digger size. Um, but uh, yeah, so six and a half by sixty Airbender Maduro Maduro Habano wrapper. It's super rich, dark, really awesome blend. And I believe this is the this is the second 
Airbender Maduro we've had in the series so far. We had a chisel for New Year's nice. uh, that had yeah. uh, champagne flutes on it. But uh, so this is the second Maduro and the largest size cigar we've done so far. The wrapper on this cigar is oily and beautiful. It is dark and rich and not, you know, not not spicy. Like there's just it's just smooth, right? I mean, so when did this switch to the today, uh, the Habano? Because it was a Brazilian. What, like six, seven years ago? So the the Valiente, which is a six and a half by sixty, the Robusto, and the Chisel were always just in natural. So there's about eight sizes in the Airbender line, and we released one in this limited edition one. It was called the Casa de Tobacco. It was a little tobacco hut. Essentially, some, pe- some people said it was a birdhouse. There, it wasn't a birdhouse. It was a cigar humidor and a tobacco hut, a curing barn. That was a special size. It was a Toro, an extended Toro, longer Toro. I think mm. it was almost seven inches long. And that was a Brazilian Matafina wrapper. Okay. Uh, so that's where, why people think that, oh, the Airbender Maduro was originally a, a Brazilian wrapper. Okay. There was never a Maduro line any of the standard sizes with Maduro on it. Uh, we did have some limited edition stuff, the Casa de Tobacco edition that was a Matafina. And then we had a smaller one, which was the um, uh, the Airbender uh, Poderoso, I believe it was the size, the Corona, that came in a Maduro one time as well, too. Um, and we also did the same thing with, uh, with the uh, a Corona size on the Air, uh, Coronado, which had a Nicaraguan sun-grown uh, Maduro wrapper on it. But no, the Airbender Maduro in the Casa de Tobacco, which is a limited edition, had a Brazilian wrapper on it. Okay. Uh, but this came out about f- probably five years ago now, four to five years. And uh, it's the Valiente, the 6.5 by 60, the Robusto, the Matatan, and the Chisel are in Maduro and natural. The other sizes are just natural. Well, let's talk about your Hacking Gourmet. So you're also with two other partners as well, uh, Brian McGee and Fred Rui. Um, you have a background in hospitality. So did you have any background in broadcasting as well? Or did that just come natural or learn as you go kind of thing? Yeah, my only broadcasting background came in fifth grade in like um, in shop class. Yeah, we did like a, we had a radio studio in there. My dad was in the radio business when he was in his early 20s. He was a radio DJ. But no, I have no broadcasting background. And the, yeah, so what, what happened was we started quarantine grilling last March, uh, March 2020. And uh, it was just something to do. It was the first two weeks of COVID. We had nothing going on. Brian yeah. and I had actually done some cooking events together where he won a self-proclaimed title. He gave himself a championship belt. <laughs> uh, allegedly, somebody bought it. He says that he didn't give it to himself. That's, I, so it's not totally self-glossing. It's no, it's I don't. I guess I don't know. I love Brian. He's a great guy. He's a Marine, so I don't mess with him excessively. <laughs> I, I, I do a lot because he can handle it because of those same reasons. But but yeah, he won. I won the popular vote. He won the electoral college, and so it's all cheating, right? So, uh, but no, we we did those events. And I got a lot of respect for him, and he's just a great guy. I know Brian comes up here too. I believe right, and doesn't come up this far. Man, he flies yeah. over you guys. Yeah, he, he, he was used to, like he Alabama. Used to come by here uh, year, years ago, but yeah. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. Yeah, I don't think he does Arkansas. I think he flies over you guys just to get to Alabama. A lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. He no. might. I don't. I fly straight <laughs> in, baby. Flew right That's in. Right. Always. Yeah. Um, but no, Brian's a great guy. And uh, so I called him and I said, hey, we had just done an event in like October. We had some ideas for some different things we were going to do, some challenges again. And uh, so I messaged him. I said, hey, Brian, you want to do a cooking show with me next Monday? It's going to be really 
you know, poorly done because I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, I go, but let's go ahead and just have some fun because nobody's, you know, nobody's got anything going on. Yeah. Let's do something different. The world's on fire. Let's have, yeah. let's do something. So we started quarantine grilling. And then uh, Fred, I coincidentally, I'd run into Fred about three weeks before all the lockdowns happened down in Orlando. And Fred and I always knew each other, but we were, were never real close. Uh, but we spent a few hours together right before uh, all the lockdowns in like late February, just talking. He said, oh, next time you're around, we got to connect up. I was like, yeah, for sure. So we started the show. Lockdowns happened. Fred messaged us, and he's like, hey, he goes, I'd love to be part of the show if you guys want somebody else on there for like a ho- as a host or whatever. I don't think he planned on doing it as long as he has now, yeah. uh, but it's become, you know, we, we have a great friendship and a great yeah. relationship. We have plans to do some big festivals with it in the future. Nice. Uh, here's hopefully sooner than later, but most likely in 2022. Uh, so, yeah, he stuck around. He was our second guest, and then we – we pretended on the show that we were asking him. We'd already asked him before to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the goal was to change it to Hacking Gourmet. Right at the beginning, he came up with the name. And uh, we said, that's the one to go with. And we were like, we'll move it in July when we can get back in shops and quarantine's over. And then there tended to be, there was like half the states had more lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could have stayed quarantine grilling for a longer period of time. But we started building Hacking Gourmet. And it was a way for us to translate it into um, connecting the cigar world, which is a really niche market with the culinary world. Because some people said, oh, why don't you just do a cooking show? And we talked to the beginning. It's like, oh, we're just going to do cooking and we're not going to focus too much on cigars. We, we had a kind of an ebb and flow. You can see probably about halfway through a probably like episode 20, we slowly stopped talking about cigars as much. Mm-hmm. And then we realized we can't compete with the freaking food network. <laughs> Yeah. We're like, this is stupid. Why are we trying to be a cooking show or a bunch of dudes in the cigar business? And we have, a, you know, I have a culinary background. Um, Brian loves to cook and Fred's a very good cook as well. But I was like, why are we trying to compete with the food network? Like, why don't we just work in the cigar niche? So we started ramping up cigars again over the last six months. It was always a focus, but we made it a serious focus again especially when we started doing the gourmet smoke sessions and it was very easy obviously to translate that in with la florida minicana and then uh the production values violently increased Mm -hmm. um and uh so you know we got a great production program i travel with all of that i can do the show from anywhere um so it's really gone to another level the graphic stuff on it's been great and it's been great for the retailers because there's nothing else out there like it and the reason i the reason there isn't is like i dare a company to try to throw this together because you got to put together each month graphics, artwork, movies. So, like, I use After Effects, mm-hmm. Adobe After Effects, Adobe Photoshop. So, you're going to have somebody that knows all of those and are working together. And you're going to make a special cigar for it. Then you're going to have that same person go out and cook. And then you're going to have a meat purveyor. So, you can put these things together for a big event. But to do it on a monthly basis is very, very challenging. And it's easier for us. It's definitely not easy. It's easy because I do it all. Yeah. Um, you know, every month I put a movie together. Every month I put together the graphics. Every month I put together the cigars and the factory management. So it's just easy for us being the size we're at to get some of these things done on a faster basis. So we can do one month to month to month. Um, and then the relationship we have with our food purveyor, Meat and Bone, has been fantastic. It's just an email. It's like, hey, I need X, Y, Z for food and it's boom done it ships into the shop comes in temperature control containers the retailer hopefully has a place to store it fortunately you guys did 
Uh, so it's just worked out really well. So yeah, I dare I dare somebody else to try to do it. There's stuff that's been done that's really high end mm-hmm. out there. I think Davidoff's done some great culinary things. You know, they have like Thomas Keller, who's a three Michelin star chef. I'm not him, uh, but that's a really unique special experience. It's different from what we're doing. Yeah. We're doing a person to person connection level with the cigar manufacturer, the person who's representing the brand cooked you dinner. Uh, you know, the person that represents the brand's giving you a culinary show. Uh, so it's a really unique dynamic and try to pull that off. It's, I think it'd be hard for anybody to really do that. So how do you guys interact with people on the show? Can they, I mean, people participate, you guys live stream this. Um, can they cook with you or are they just watching? So the gourmet smoke sessions are fully interactive and we did some tests in hacking gourmet that were failures where we tried to dial people in and have them part of the show Mm -hmm. and it just didn't work um it was turned out to be a a nightmare uh but what we do is at each show we have a grill cam that's active the whole time so right at the beginning of the show i explain what i'm going to be doing throughout the show and then the grill cam is always active so the people watching with us uh virtually and even the people that are in person if they're interested they can buy the food package and, and there's a special code that they can get to get the package and have it sent to their house and cook it along uh, after if they'd like uh but we have you know we have people that each show are cooking with us so yeah there's a demonstration the whole time so tomorrow we're going to be doing tomahawk pork chops we've got a notorious pig pig rub um, which is going to be awesome. It's the first time we use that. And then we've got a, a, a charcuterie board that people can snack on, the viewers at home. The menu will be a little bit different in person just because we're serving larger group of people, but it revolves around the same thing. But yeah, they're cooking the whole time with us so they can watch the grill cam. Every screen that we're on has a grill cam on it. So if I put Tom, if I put pork on or put a steak on, they know exactly what's going on so they can follow along the entire time. Now, are those archived where you can go back and watch all of Yeah, ones? you can you can watch all of them on Facebook. All the gourmet smoke sessions are on Facebook at LFD uh, Cigars and Hacking Gourmet. Okay. Uh, the easiest place to find them is on YouTube for Hacking Gourmet because okay. all of them are there as long as well as the uh, monthly episodes that we do of the Hacking Gourmet show and also on hackinggourmet.com has everything in one place and you can get information on all the packages. And the fun part about it for me on the food side is meat and bone uh, we have a great partnership with them. Meat and Bone keeps those packages active. Okay. So cool. if you liked one of the packages, you watched the show, or you wanted to go back and buy the same package we cooked last February, it's always live on their website. So you can jump on there and grab any of the packages that we've had. Nice, nice. Yeah. That's like good date night or dude night or whatever. Just Yeah, that might be something fun. Date night with Jonathan Carney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I got a, um, we joke around. In my family, because uh, one of my really close family friends, his name's Wade Hill, and Wade was he was in the Navy, uh, and he was he smoked cigars and stuff. Uh, he, he, I think believe he's in his late sixties, and he and his wife are just lifetime family friends of ours. And he was never a big cigar smoker, but over COVID, he started watching Quarantine Grilling. He started watching Hacking Gourmet, and he's like, "I'd really like to learn about cigars." So. Uh, I was like, why don't you come over to the house? We'll have some cigars. So we came over. We sat and had cigars in the back. I taught him a little bit about cigars. Now he's an avid cigar smoker. He buys every food package. I'm sure he's probably already called up here to get the cigars for this event. And he's into it. So we always joke around my family. My sister said to me, she's like, if this is a failure, she goes, you've already succeeded because you've got somebody who wasn't a cigar smoker, who wasn't in the food this <laughs> way that they are, and now it's part of what they do. And they do date night. He and his wife, 
like they do date night every time we do a gourmet smoke session. Yeah. And after the show, he'll send me pictures of what he's smoking. He'll send me pictures of the food, the final product. He's getting really good at it too. And, uh, but yeah, they do date night with it each time that we have the gourmet session. So it, it oh. is funny that, that it's, you know, there's, a f- there's at least him and there's others too, that, that it's turned in like a husband and wife dinner. Yeah. Let's sit down and watch hacking gourmet gourmet smoke sessions with La Florida Minicana and have a date. It's been real fun to watch that. Yeah. I mean, I know I can talk my wife Mo into doing that because she's, she loves cooking. Uh, she, she's a cigar smoker as well. You know, I, I went to La Cordon Bleu, so I have a cooking background and everything. And of course I love cigars. So just, you know, having both those combined and easily accessible where we can, you know, follow along step by step as well. And just seeing all that, like, yeah, it's awesome. And, and the, the fun thing is each one's theme different. So it's mm-hmm. a month to month. It's a different package. We don't do anything out of this world, crazy expensive. Some of them are higher end than others. Uh, you know, the one we got coming for the 4th of July is a tomahawk ribeye and steak hot dogs and you know sometimes we do a little bit more but we try to keep it as reasonable as possible and it's a meal plan for two to three uh, two to four people so if you had like a 40 ounce tomahawk ribeye i mean you could probably eat it on your own but safely that's probably should be shared yeah Uh, you know and you could all fill up on it with the sides um so yeah it's fun to have people follow along with it it's it's been fun to put the two passions i have um you know with cigars and food combining them together and it's great yeah like you know, Wade and his wife, they put it on TV, watch the show, cook. When it's over, they eat dinner, and he's smoking a cigar while he's cooking, and then they have a nice dinner. And it's a really good night, you know, and it's the same experience we're going to have in person, which has been great. I'd say probably 75% of the ones we've done have now been in person, and it's just excellent because it's the people are getting to watch a live broadcast. They're getting to have a nice dinner, and they're getting to see people interact all around the world at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds fun to me. Like, I wonder if, you know, what the residual effects would be. Because if I get to, you know, come to the event at West End Cigars Conway tomorrow. Um, I hope you're there. Yeah. I'm just saying, if I was not, you know, the owner of the shop and yeah. going to be there. But if I just came and experienced it and it was fun, I would think, wait a second, I can get this. My wife and I can watch and cook something that we don't that we're not comfortable cooking or that we don't normally cook. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for guys grilling an expensive piece of meat or something a little different, like a tomahawk pork chop. I've never cooked one of those, you know. Um, or some of the, you know, I don't know what you guys do on the thing, but I, I know that there's been some more exotic, uh, you know, types of things rather than, oh, just cooking a filet or, oh, just cooking a ribeye. And so having a little guidance and us doing it together, like that sounds like a fun date night. I wonder as you do these things if if it's just going to continue to keep the momentum going as far as the followership or yep. whatever for the show. Well, really, the goal is is having a good group of followers online is great. Really, the goal is to have a having the people that are there in person to have a curiosity of what we did on the show. You know, hey, we came, we attend the event. How do I do this at home? Or and to inspire right. them to want to do that at home. Uh, so that's really, the, you know, the side of it. And, you know, you mentioned exotic stuff. So at the end of July, we got we got a July 4th session that we're doing, too. We're doing um, a cooking session at 3 p.m. on the 4th of July, and then we're doing fireworks at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, but the one we have come at the end of July, the package we're doing is it's a New York strip beef, so cow, and New York strip bison. Nice. So we're going to two, cook two different types of strip in the same exact way, um, but we're going to show how you have to cook game meat in a different fashion mm-hmm. than you cook, yeah. you know, cattle. Yeah, because it's such a such a leaner 
Yeah, yeah, it's leaner. It absorbs yeah. the heat much better, and you're not breaking down as much fat. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really different process. So we try to show things that people wouldn't necessarily that they're familiar with, but maybe haven't cooked at home, right. or a different variety of it. So really, it's the way the goal is to inspire the people in person. I don't want to f- one follow it around, but also just inspire them to, to maybe go and cook some of that stuff on their own. My favorite thing is after we've done one of these sessions to have people I didn't even know that watched it to send me a picture of food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. So you you might have already answered this with that answer, but what is a cut of meat or meat itself that you want to do? Well, you know, I, I really want to do, Brandon will appreciate this because I know you and I've always talked a lot about dry age meat. And I know there's levels of dry age that get a little too funky for you. I really want to do some dry age, but I've stayed away from it on the show because there's some people that haven't had it and they're not used to that flavor Super profile. Beefy taste, yeah, it's yeah. beefy, it's earthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it gets a little bit older, it, it's mushroomy. Um, not in a sense of, it, it's just got like the aftertaste kind of. That umami. Yeah, yeah, yeah umami, funky. yeah. And, um, you know, some people aren't used to it. So we've stayed away from doing dry aged anything mm-hmm. um, just because I don't want anyone to be averse to it and it or, or feel like, hey, I didn't like this. And you spent 80 bucks on a, you know, on a 14 ounce cut of meat. Yeah. So we've stayed away from dry age stuff. I think what I'd kind of like to get into next, maybe in one of the sessions, maybe in season two, is getting into some like American Wagyu, some Australian Wagyu. And then maybe negotiating a decent price on, uh, you know, an alternative cut of Japanese Wagyu, like an A5. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a thing called the baseball steak, which yeah. is, I, I'm not quite sure what part of the steak's from. I'm not sure, uh, the cow, but I don't think they know either. And I think that's intentional. <laughs> but um, I'd like to get into some of that and do like a three-part thing with that. That would get a little bit pricey, but if we get the price right. But I've tried to stay away from anything violently exotic or extreme in cost. Like no ostrich or... Yeah. Oh, by the way, ostrich is delicious. Oh, yeah. uh, freaking fantastic. And it's not as exotic as people think. It's just delicious. Um, but people get weirded out by some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, like elk. Elk's delicious. I'd love to do an elk rack one night, but then you just have some people be like, oh, I don't really like elk. I'm like, just if I gave it to you and didn't tell you it's elk, you'd you be like, this elk, is yeah. great. Yeah. Um, so we've tried to stay away from extremes, um, but we've kind of landed in between. Unfortunately, meat and bone has a good selection of, of that. So we've been able to get, uh, you know, some great cuts of meat, but not go too extreme. But I would like to venture into some more exotic cuts and exotic gratings. It's just going to have to be the right time in the right place. What chefs out there, you know, inspire the, either the menu or just you yourself. So I, um, I'm big into fire. I love char and I get my balls busted sometimes from some of my friends um, that that aren't as into char. Like, oh, you're burning it. You're this, you're that. And I'm like, no, that's, that you can use fire to create flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of my favorite chefs in terms of the cooking techniques is Francis Malman. He's an Argentinian chef. He's amazing. Uh, he cooks with fire and char. Everything's charred. It's delicious. Um, he's, he's certainly an inspiration. Um uh, this is this is cliched, but Bobby Flay. People joke around about Bobby Flay a little bit because he's all over the Food Network. He's become a, a celebrity chef. Uh-huh. That man is a great freaking cook. Oh yeah, he's a really great chef. He's a even better cook. That guy can cook anything. Yeah. And he's not going to, he's going to treat it with respect. He may not even know necessarily what he's doing with it, but he's always going to treat the protein with respect. He treats the sauce with respect. So when you watch those shows like Beat Bobby Flay, I got asked that the other night. It's like, uh, what would you try to beat Bobby Flay with? And I said, like, churrasco, because it'd be a basic sauce and then I could cook the meat. I know I could kick his butt on the meat. 
And then the sauce would be a sauce that's going to have some similar flavors. So he's not going to be able to layer it that way. It's kind of like a marinade. Um, but that guy can cook. So I really appreciate what he does because he can cook anything. And then Francis Malman's one of my biggest inspirations. I love fire and I love char. And that man is about primal char. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a, uh, there's a series on Netflix. We just finished a couple months ago, but it was like, it was showcasing like a barbecue cooks throughout the world. And there was one who I forget where he is. I think he was down in Uruguay and everything is done open flame from first course all the way to dessert. There's no electrical component or gas component at all in his kitchen. It's just logs and fire. And it's just seeing what he is doing, creating an oven out of just an open pit and then everything like that. And just seeing, you know, and then he gets, you know, two Michelin stars and it's just, it was probably Francis Malman. Um, he's got a, I believe he's got a restaurant in Uruguay as well. Um, the same, one I, I saw, I thought was in uh, Australia. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of that around. And yeah. He's really one of the guys inspired. Malman does a lot of these unique things. He's got a, a two Michelin star restaurant, uh, multiple, and he uh, he he does these dinners like remote dinners in the middle of nowhere, and he'll just like cook sides of beef on fire, and he does like this exotic dinner. Okay. And he'll set up like a table for six now. people in the middle of a lake, and then he cooks right. cows and land right out there on the open. Floor. Yeah, it's incredible. The guy it's just that I was fire. thinking about, he has a restaurant. Where he has these ovens okay, that were so, made. So it is Australia. It's a yeah. Linux Hestiel. Yeah, yeah. But but your guy is like, yeah. I mean, he goes out. And he's got his restaurant too at the same time. But he's yeah. known for these right. crazy exotic dinners. I mean, the, I can't imagine what the people pay to have. Just him. invite me whenever you. Cool. Yeah, if I can ever set up. Coincidentally, he actually has a restaurant in Miami. I don't know if it's, if it's still open, but it's in this uh, high end building in Miami Beach called Faina, and uh, he has a restaurant there. I haven't had a chance to go yet, um, but. I would like to try that. It's on the bucket list. Well, maybe if you have a like, big event come up in the near future, then maybe you could get them to come do something. You know. So you're not really into the smoking <laughs> barbecue thing. It's more of a grill fire thing. Yeah, you. yeah. I, I don't mind. I love barbecue. I think it's great. Um, I'm That's not, not a huge. It's thing. not my thing. I can do it. I'm not great at it. I, I don't not do it because I'm not great at it. Um, but if I had to, I could do it. You, but, like, that, um, you like that open flame? Yeah, I like open flame. Yeah, I, I, like, I like putting fire on the outside of a piece of piece yeah. of beef and and, yep. and meat and a cut of animal, and it's it's just real primal. Um, and uh, you know, I've been watching this. I've been watching that bar. Uh, there's another barbecue show on Netflix. It was a barbecue championship. So I watch these people cook, and I'm like, I like it. That's great. But man, some of this stuff takes forever. Like mm-hmm. 12, 14 hours overnight, 36 hours for right. a brisket. Yeah. That's a lot of work and it's delicious. But I just watch them do it on an eight hour time frame. So, like, oh, I usually do this in 36 hours. And then they cook it in eight hours. Like, oh man, this is the best brisket I've ever yeah. had. And I'm like, all right. So it wasn't really 36 hours, wasn't necessary. <laughs> right. <laughs> Could have yeah. saved 24 hours. Somewhere. Yeah. It's like, so like, give me a break. So it's great. And I, I love it. It's just not really my thing. I do like adding smoke to stuff, but I, I much prefer the char. And and that's for me. That's a more precision, uh, not more precision. It's a. It's like it's a. It's like a short art. It's like abstract art, in my opinion. Where right. where smoking is like a precision art. Yeah, that's yeah. why uh, of the Food Network shows that. Um, I, although my wife watches Beat Bobby Flay like like religion. I like man versus fire when he when they do the uh, sort of weird fire and then they cook over the fire where they it's some unusual contraption 
some local guy has because that's more direct fire, right? That's not the smoking barbecue pit contest, but it's more of like, like you said, a direct fire. Yep. And that, I find that more interesting because it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's a different challenge, right? Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. And the, the thing I've always felt about barbecue is like, I couldn't eat barbecue every day. It, it's awesome. It's great. But then once you've had barbecue in different varieties and different techniques, it's like barbecues, barbecue. So like to judge brisket, you know, it's awesome. It's great. But I, I just, I can't get into doing it all the time. And I respect the people that do. And I, it's definitely an enjoyable thing, but yeah. I, uh, I just love, I just love fire. I love manipulating it. I love sure. using it in different forms with different cuts of cuts of meat, different, different wood varietals. I just think it's got a really unique, uh, taste to it. And there's a lot of pride for me that goes into like having a crazy crust that looks like dark black. And like I charred the hell out of it. And then the insides, medium rare aged edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's a real, a real no, fun thing. And it, it is an art. So, and the, the brisket thing is like, uh, my, my old neighborhood back in Illinois, there was a, they were, they were all chili cooks. And so they all had their, you know, and it's just a thing, right? There's just people who are big into chili. There's people who are big into brisket. Um, and I could eat barbecue every day, although not the same type. So but, I'm from KC. I, yeah, I can, I can definitely but eat barbecue you, every day. But you, you just drink the sauce out of the oh, bottle. Please. Yeah, too saucy up there, huh? It's a little too saucy. <laughs> Hayden, Hayden. No. Well, no, ask him what about his barbecue, and then he tells me about his barbecue sauce, and I said, I don't know why we're fucking talking about ketchup. <laughs> I'm a little confused. <laughs> yeah. Fine, 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 fine. Whatever. So, whatever. It's an old argument. So I've really gotten to some sauces lately. I, I've been working with a, this. I, I make this meatless Pomodoro sauce. It's over the top. I use um, activated charcoal powder okay. in it. And uh, onion powder. There's some other stuff in it, too. And uh, it makes it real like a dark are you, orange. Are you going vegan on us? Meatless? No, uh, my, my, my girlfriend is actually vegetarian, but okay. uh, but I did this meatless sauce because I wanted to make something that was really rich like a meat sauce, but I wanted to be able to mass do it, mass produce at an event and make sure it was reasonably cost, but have a good flavor profile for people. Nice. So I've done this about three times now and I have people come out there like, what did you do to that? Why is this so dark? This tastes like meat. Uh, what, what meat did you use? And I'm mm-hmm. like, tomatoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I've been messing around with some sauces and I, I, nice. I've got my red sauces down. Um, and which honestly, a lot of red sauce are really good base for some barbecue sauces yeah. too. So, um, there are a few different little barbecue sauces that I make, uh, off of that, but I've, I've got this really cool base that I use to go a couple different ways with Pomodoro, meatless Pomodoro, um, the, um, well, a meat Pomodoro. What am I trying to say? This what's the sauce that has meat in it? Meat uh, sauce. Like a ragu? No, marinara? No. no, 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 no. Bolognese. Bolognese, right. yeah. Yes, bolognese, a meatless bolognese. Um, so I got I a bunch of different uh, different concepts and things that I work on. But yeah, I've really, the last probably three years, I've been trying to perfect my red sauces, and it's come out pretty good. How, lo- how long are you in town for? Uh, just about another hour, and then I'll be leaving. <laughs> um, no, Sweet. no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in town till uh, Thursday morning. We'll be headed up to Fort Smith Thursday morning, and then nice. we'll be in Bentonville so uh, Thursday I, I, night. So I don't know if they do lunch, but there's a place downtown called Buenos Aires that, that sounds like right up your alley because they treat the meat right. Uh, they got a chimichurri that well, you could put on a boot, and it will make the boot very good. So we order the chicken. The, they do the chicken breasts which are some is the best chicken breast that I've ever had. 
It's just juicy and flavorful. And the chimichurri, I just get in the gallon size when we order takeout. Their blood sausage is, oh, is blood just sausage fucking amazing. Is excellent. So tomorrow I won't be able to get out because I'm going to be cooking all day, getting ready to roll. But uh, Next one of the dishes we have tomorrow actually is going to have the we, – we have chimichurri for the pork chops tomorrow night. Nice. That will be what we're doing online for the virtual session, for the actual broadcast. Um, but in person we're going to be doing some pork shoulders so I'm doing pork shoulder tomorrow. That's going to be chopped up. It's going to be a real fine chop. Um, that's going to be with Notorious P.I.G. rub. And then we're doing a Japanese barbecue sauce on that. And then uh, we nice. got the Grill Master's chimichurri sauce from uh, Meat and Bone tomorrow. So we won't be eating my chimichurri, but we will be using Meat and Bone's Grill Master's homemade chimichurri sauce, which is excellent. Nice. A good, bright chimichurri sauce you can put on Cheerios, mm-hmm. and I'll fucking eat it. <laughs> well, tomorrow it's funny because, like, really all you need for, like, pork chop is we're going to put a rib rub on it. Yeah. Now, so you know what? I want chimichurri on this too at the same time. So we're going to go rib rub and chimichurri. It's going to be a ton of flavor on ton it. Flavor. It's yeah. maybe overwhelming, but it's going to taste delicious. Ah, just garlic and just yeah. everything else uh, involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just. yeah, it's going to be. It is going to be a little overwhelming with the rub, but I why not? You you want to enjoy its date night with John Carney? <laughs> That's right. This could be overwhelming in a lot of ways. Yeah, but in a lot of good ways. So, what, so what's, what's your what's your grill setup? Do you use like Weber charcoal egg? So I'm big charcoal. I use uh, Royal King uh, lump charcoal, uh, my charcoal grill, and um, I've just recently, this last, this about two months ago, started using the uh, Blackstone okay. uh, hard, uh, flat top grill, uh, this griddle, awesome. Those things get super hot, um, so I've been using those a lot lately, nice. but charcoal is my preferred, yeah. uh, but I have been using the Blackstone quite a bit lately to finish off some steaks. Um, I've been doing this red wine infused uh, ribeye that I've been sous viding in red wine for like four hours. That's awesome. Uh, the fat breaks down, the red wine gets nice sweetness from it. And then I finish that off on the Blackstone or on charcoal, but yeah, charcoal is my go-to. I just, yeah. any, anywhere, man, I can throw charcoal on the ground and cook in the middle of the floor yeah. if I need to. Yeah. yeah just that nat- natural lump yep. oak charcoal. I mean, and sous vide doesn't get enough love because I mean, cook well, it, cook it right. And then you just, you know, throw it on the, throw well, it on it's the precision and, cooking. Yeah. There's a time and a place. Like I, I, I think sometimes, you know, people use it because it's easy, you know, because it's perfect and whatnot, but it's not necessarily perfect. There's some meat that, that if you treat it with heat, you know, from a fire or flame or whatever, and then slowly render the fats down over a period of time, you know, that the texture is better, the flavor is better, you know, that fire hitting it for an extended period of time is absorbing into the beef. Mm-hmm. So I prefer not to use sous vide, but there are, there's a time and a place and sometimes it's a lot easier uh, to do that. Like, you know, when you're cooking for a large group, of people, like I'll be doing some sous vide tomorrow. The reason I'm doing this is I want it to be cooked perfect, and I want every bite to taste the same. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I use it. It's better for larger groups and precision cooking. If I'm cooking for a small group of 10 people, I'm not sous-viding anything. You know, I'm, I'm going to manage the grill, manage the fire, the flame, um, you know, and you're going to get a really different dynamic. But, you know, people that badmouth sous-vide is just to be, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it seems like it's like a Facebook thing, like, oh, I hate sous-vide, I hate this or that. Like, come on. It's like it's another cooking technique. It's precision cooking. Yeah. Um, and good, you know, if that allows you to cook something nice that you, you can normally cook. Like, chicken's the best on sous-vide. And the reason why is you got to cook chicken to 165 when you're not sous-viding because at 165, chicken's immediately pasteurized. So when you sous-vide chicken, you can cook it at, like, 150, 155 for, like, two hours 
and at 155 after two hours it's pasteurized you can eat chicken at like 155 it's a really different experience than eating on 165 if you cook chicken at 165 sous vide it's overcooked Mm -hmm. if you cook it at 155 it pasteurizes it over an extended period of time and is really juicy super tender um, so it really transforms chicken because you can't do that on a grill because you have to pasteurize the chicken. It has to get to 165. This um, <clears throat> this cigar is pretty. Uh, it's it's rich. It, like you were, we were talking earlier, Brandon. It's not spicy, um, but it is rich. It's got a nice full flavor. Um, this is a really real. I, I like the Airbenders, but to be honest with you, you make so many other good cigars. I don't pick up Airbenders very often, even the Airbender Maduros. Problem is, you make too many other good cigars that I really, really like. Um, like the Cab Five is one of the great cigars ever made, and the Lido Gomez uh, Limited Small Batch. Those are so amazing. Um, did I tell you that Kevin found what was the one this year? Seven. That was batch seven. Yeah, the last small batch was seven. That was uh, 2020. And the six was what? 20. That's probably 2017. Yeah. Yeah. He, tail end of, tail beginning found, of 2018. He found a box of 50 of the sixes. Uh, well, up in New York, I guess. Yeah. Right? For like 30 bucks a stick. And I'm looking at him going. How much for the box? I still, I still need here? some. Right. Because that six. That six might be a top three cigar all time. Yeah, I I, I, re- I like I redid my humidor last week and I found two sixes. Seven was a great cigar, but that six was just. Well, the thing that's been interesting with the LG, not just the small batch, but the the LG line, the Lito Gomez line, hasn't been out in over five years now. It's been right. since twenty fifteen. So in that period of time, we've had like three small batches that have come out and no LG. So there's a lot of LG smokers, and LG will be coming back this year um, at some point. Good. But the small batch has come out, and it's been like a rush. Like, I used to see small batch around a little bit. I I don't see small batch anywhere anymore. I'm sure there's some out there, and there's maybe people listening, like, oh, it's here, it's there. If you find it, that's great, and you've Mm -hmm. seen it, get it. Uh, Because without having the secondary influx of LG, that's what LG smokers have jumped to. And what makes LG special is that it's 100% Dominican. The wrapper, the binder, the filler are all from our farms down in the Dominican Republic. And the small batch uses tobaccos that are six to seven years old. Um, So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of age into it, a lot of refined flavors that are, you know, matured there in the tobacco. Yeah, just the the ones that I found in my humidor, like, you could, like, wring them out. It just had so much nice oil on it. It just... Like Having just, said that, it's still none of those cigars are as good as the Colorado Oscuro. Colorado Oscuro is good. Okay. I'm and, a big fan of the Colorado Oscuro. Um, it's got a little bit of spice to it, a yeah. little bit more front palate spice. Yeah. Um, it's It's been huge for us. It's been out for nearly 10 years now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I do enjoy it. I'll be honest. I, I'm a big Airbender Maduro fan. Are you? Yeah, I, I really this, like this it. This cigar has hit me well. Yeah, I really like it. And, I, and I've been more like fond of it. Um, as time goes by, because I, I like Maduro, but I'm also a more medium-bodied person. Now, this is not a medium cigar in the realm of the cigar world, uh, but for us, it's medium, so I'm a more medium smoker. Right. So this, for me, kind of gives me the best of both worlds, medium-bodied with a, with a nice Maduro, rich, you know, sweet, smooth yeah. Yeah. wrapper finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, this is... It's a very good cigar. It, it, uh, you guys offer... I mean, you guys are known for strong, full cigars. I mean, that's... The LFD pro- profile is, is well, I mean, chisel. You think about chisel when the LFD, you ask the standard 
person, what do you think about LFD? And they're they're thinking about the chiseled, you know, double Maduro and those cigars or, or the, what are the DL 700? Yeah. Yeah, double Hero, the DL 700. I mean, Double Hero's become a cash cow. And it's funny because, I mean, when this company started 27 years ago now, Lito and Inez started as a mild cigar making company. That's what was being made in the Dominican Republic at the time. I mean, it's still, mild cigars are still king in the Dominican. Uh, but, you know, Lito really had this vision. He's like, I don't want to make what we everybody else is making. I want to do something right. different. So that's when he got involved in farming and it allowed him to manage what was being grown because you were at the mercy of the growers if you didn't have your own yep. uh, farm. And what was available was milder tobaccos, um, you know, from lower parts in the plant. That's what was being grown. Um, and the techniques were used to, to fulfill that demand. Uh, so that really allowed him to go to the next level in the you know late 90s when he you know, they purchased their own land and started growing tobaccos for the purpose of making things that, that he wanted to smoke and what turned into um, a really unique niche part of the cigar market. I mean, the cigar market wanted it at the same time. He just didn't know. They wanted strong Dominican cigars, and yep. Yolito was at the forefront of it. Yeah. He, uh, in some ways, he was one of the first to really do that. Um, I mean, he does it extremely well, but he was one of the first to do that extremely well. Where it was like, wow, I think this is really good and we should... Um, yeah, and then consistently year after year, like a 700 still tastes the same that it did 15, 20 years ago. Smoke. Uh, you know, and you know, from time to time, it's a natural product. You have something that pops up that's not perfect. You know, but we have the control of if it's not that way, you can contact us and we make sure we look into it, make sure it's not an issue. And, and very rarely is it anything other than just an isolated concern. Yeah. Um, and that's because we have control over all of that. Um, and that's huge. And that's another reason why, you know, cigars just, you know, we could make 15, 20 million cigars a year, but they're not going to be the same. Yeah. Uh, and I'd much rather have someone ticked off because they can't get it than to have it suck. Yeah. Uh, you know, and not be what they expected. Cause people say, Oh, you're going to, you're going to lose a customer if you don't fill this order. Well, maybe we will, but I'm going to really lose a customer if I deliver them a 700 that tastes like dog shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and it's not the same thing. I'm like, I'm never going to smoke this again. Yeah. Well, and the LFD cigar smoke consistently. They're one of the brands. There's several of the brands that are like that. I mean, we can all name Padron or those, but the <clears throat> LFD to me is one of those brands that, you know, you pick it up, you get a consistent smoke. It's going to burn well. It's going to do all those things. So you don't have to worry about the experience. Yeah. When I run into people that aren't LFD smokers, they're like, oh, it doesn't really hit my flavor profile. I'm like, well, what have you tried? They're like, well, the double arrow. I'm like, well, there's so many other blends. <laughs> oh, so many. Like, if you can't find some, I understand when people don't like a flavor profile, right? Right. Yeah. Sure. That's fine. Everybody's got a palate. But if you can't find something in the LFD line yeah. that's going to yeah. meet something that you like, I'm shocked. So yeah, right. as I always right. ask, like, what have you smoked? Oh, double arrow. Well, that's probably going to be a little strong for you. And if you don't like that flavor profile, there's 20 other blends we could look at. Yeah. So give this a shot. Yeah, I've, I've only ever had the NAS, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's strong. Yeah, I think that it's like where this, this cigar get, might get overlooked sometimes um, because this fills a need that, you know, the – Double yeah. heroes aren't going to fill, um, you know, and one of my favorite cigars, the Reserve Especial, um, is another great smoke that people don't associate that flavor profile with LFD a lot. Right. Um, and I absolutely love it because it has a ton of flavor, you know, and uh, I really like it. That's I, a great I example. It because of- uh, I can't get the can't get enough bulls to smoke them myself. So, so yeah, we're going to be, we need to, we need to, sp- take a moment on this because we have pro- probably 
25 smokers on here. And I, I, I know some, I, I can list three or four who their number one cigar to smoke is the Andalusian Bowl. And um, they will, they've ordered from here when we've had them. They've just called up and Aaron, I need, what do you have in order box? That cigar has, I don't know if that has exceeded your expectation, but yeah, oh the yeah. buzz yeah. and the go on that cigar. And for the record, rightfully so, it is a really good oh. cigar. No, I mean, it certainly has exceeded the expectations. I mean, it was, we always really liked it. It paid homage to Lito's background in Spain where he was born. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, who would have thought that? five years after it got cigar of the year with cigar aficionado that it would be like a, it's like people hunt for it. Yeah. It's, it's still I, just I had a guy, now. I had a guy on Facebook the other day that was complaining. Cause I, I read all the comments and there's trolls and there's people that moan and bitch. Sure. And most of the time it's right. Rightfully so. Like I, you know, I feel bad when somebody's like, Oh, I smoke seven hundreds and I can't get it. Like I feel generally feel bad, but right. then you go on and bash me. It's like, well, you like it because I'm. We're not overproducing it, you know, right. because you're, you're getting the same thing. So it's I had not this, like we don't want to sell them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I had one person that was complaining they couldn't. Oh, I can't get cigars. I can never get this and that and that. And this one, I, I know his name personally. He drives me up a wall. Um, and if he's listening, he's a good guy because he supports the brand. And you know, I wish I could get him more. But he talked about not being able to get cigars. So then there was a discussion on Facebook about Andalusian bulls and how nobody could find them. And he posted a picture of his collection. He had 32 boxes. Why are you complaining about not being able to get cigars? To <laughs> You're the reason we can't. Yeah, you have that, more than that, what I have. Yeah, that, that's so more like, than any retailer yeah, has there, on I'm a regular like, basis. Yeah, I'm sitting there like, man, I'm like, this is the one that's complaining? Like, right. oh, by the way, I appreciate you. I love you. So if you're watching, I'm not giving you a hard time, and hopefully you're laughing along with us. But I was like, 32 boxes, He man. has a 40-box like, goal. Yeah. There's, we all have He's goals. He's got 320 yeah. Andalusian Bull cigars. None of them were touched. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, that's impressive. But um, but what you can, but what's nice is like, you know, if they're complaining that they can't get it, but you know that when they do get it, they're not complaining. Yeah. And, and you know what? I hate to use the word complain because it's not really complaining because it's, that's rightfully so, you know, it's Airing justified. Grievances, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's it, rightfully so. But that, that one was funny to me when, when I saw those pictures of bulls and I'm like, I'm like, you kidding? I'm like, this is the guy that's, that <laughs> right. can't get anything. I'm like, there's a guy in there. It's like, I've been trying to get an Andalusian bull one for 10, for five years. I haven't been able to get one. And this guy drops a picture of 32 boxes. It's like, apparently you need to call this yeah, guy. He, he has got a lot of messages right we after We have that. a couple of friends who were collecting the Pete Johnson. What was it? The Carlock? Yeah. And they were collecting Carlos. And so we'd be on. And I'd, I I got a box of Carlos because I really like those Pete Johnson monster series. And I, <clears throat> I would be on like every three or four nights smoking one because I like the cigars. And they'd, and I, like, they'd, where'd you get that from? They're, they're going, you're going to smoke one of those? I said, dude, you, I know you have three boxes. <laughs> said, what do you mean you're not smoking? What's the point of having them if you're not smoking them? What's yeah. like? What's like when we get the bulls in? We don't even have to put them on the shelf because people just see them like stuck up top. Be like, oh, well, they know they know where to look. I want that. They know where to look. <laughs> be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so. yeah, it's certainly certainly turned into a hunt, and uh, it's been fun, and it definitely it's a blessing, you know. And we're fortunate to have it, and the excitement behind it's yeah. great, and um, you know, there's it's become bigger than just LFD. You know, it's yeah. nobody. I mean, there's a lot of people don't even know what's LFD. I think they're just like, yeah. oh, I need the Andalusian bull. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's fun to have it. And it's, you know, it's a great thing. And Did I you would, guys announce a new size or no, we, ha we do have a different size of it, uh, but it's a factory exclusive and we have something fun that's coming out in the next month or so. Okay. Uh, with that, will there be some opportunities to maybe get involved in it somehow, but I can't elaborate beyond okay. that. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll it pump is you. interesting though, that when you think about number one cigars of the year, 
Yeah. Nothing has had the staying power of that. No. Like what won before? What won the year before? I don't know. You know, and I, I, I test that to the fact that we never overproduced it. We tripled production, but it went from two people to six. Yeah. So it never went to, it never went from all, all 80 pairs of rollers are now rolling in illusion bulls and we're going right. to fill them, you know, a million cigars worth of it. So I, part of it's that, yeah. um, where it was never overproduced. So the, really the initial demand from it was never met. Uh, by any means, no demand of it's ever been met. Um, but then at the same time, that's a really good cigar. I mean, you know, I, I'll have some people sometimes say, "Oh, this doesn't taste the same." We smoke them regularly. It's it's the same cigar. Um, you know, yeah, maybe it's the same. It's just I, th- I think there's a lot of diehard LFD fans mm-hmm. that would say it's not a double E Hero. Well, it's mm-hmm. not. You know, and uh, it's a different thing. Yeah, but th- there's really there really hasn't been a cigar of the year like that ever. Right, um, where it's just you know Stay. consistently where it's a nonstop hunt. I mean, there's been some padrones that got some really high ratings that that you sell probably a ton of now because of that. Like that anniversary series is out of control, yeah, because of some it's of the ratings they had. But you know that became a standard line for them, so you can get it. The price mm-hmm. point, also it. the entry to buy that is not at everybody's price point. Yep, um, you know, twenty dollars <laughs> plus is not a normal price point, uh, so that helps a little bit. And you know, the thing with too that the Andalusian Bull is a reasonably priced cigar for its size and shape. It came oh. out with fifteen dollars. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying that's inexpensive by any means, but for that size and shape, it's like there's very price, little yeah. cigars that are that size and shape that are that price point, and it's still under seventeen bucks. Yeah. So uh, listeners will remember my unit of measure, which I don't know if you've smoked the Stolen Throne Crook of the Crown. Um, it's, it's my, it's my favorite, one of my favorite cigars and it's 12 bucks. And so I always compare a cigar and say, do I enjoy it as much as I enjoy the crook of the crown? When something is 50 bucks, my question is, is it four times better? But I compared the Andalusian bowl to, to a crook of the crown. It's certainly that good. And you go that 15 bucks is what I, I mean, in the market today, that's a reasonably for that size cigar. And that good a cigar and yeah. in demand like it is for that's something a great that's price. two hours plus. I mean, you're gonna that's spend you're gonna spend twenty bucks for a movie, so that's gonna be well. You less think of the, some of the other big name brand ones that you have trouble getting. They're not fifteen bucks. Yeah, no. I mean, and it seems like with at least from my perspective, a lot of the number one cigar of the year that has it's a flash in the pan, but Six then it, but then it's forgotten about. That's one of the only two that still has staying power. Like the only other, the only other one I can think of is like the Le Bijou, but it's that. And then the bull. But well, then, and, and also the Le Bijou is a line of cigars. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it really built up a whole line of cigars. Right. Yeah, right and yeah. you, we have no other facings of that. Yeah. You know, the reserve especially is close, but not, it's not yeah. the same blend. It uses a similar wrapper, but you, you take one cigar that's one size, one shape and, and really, it's a, it's a law. It's an economics philo- you know, philosophy. I mean, it's supply and demand. If you flood the market when you hit cigar of the year, you're going to have a crazy amount of sales. Mm-hmm. And then once everybody gets to try it, you have people that are like, okay, I like this, and now it's going to be a regular cigar. Or hey, I got to smoke the cigar a year and I have a box. Now I'm on to something else because now yeah. I got it. If you don't flood, I mean, this people now that haven't even smoked it, mm-hmm. um, right. so they get to hear about it from their friends and they can't get their hands on it. Then it becomes a, a, a chase for everyone. Yeah. to try to have it. So there was the market, the big thing is really nice cigar, great price point, really nice appealing packaging. And we never flooded the market with it. And we still don't. Uh, so it's yeah. not, think, uh, it's never going to be over, over saturated. Yep. Yeah. I think the other side of that is you still make enough to where people can find it. 
you know, because my 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 immediate thought was like the eye of the shark. Nobody that that has no real, you know, staying power, but you could never get it. You know, you, a shop might get a box or two a year, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I don't have people knocking my door down for that. But if I got ten boxes of bulls tomorrow. I'd sell them all. Tomorrow, yeah. You know? Well, and you're right. And and that's a great point because it is hard to get. And, you know, in theory, people are like, oh, you can never find it. Every month, somebody's posting a picture like we ship stuff. Mm-hmm. You might not be you may be down the line in the queue, but at least you're, you're, you're seeing it's it around there. like there is there's hope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's You'll hope that it. like, oh, there's hope. They'll maybe come. if I show up at the right day, I can find this. Right. Yep. No, that's definitely true. And that that eye of the shark, there are dedicated people who search them out. But there, it's not it's not as widespread as it is with the with the bull. I mean, if we could design a perfect storm for something like uh, as a launch of a product, where you're like you're going to create crazy demand, you're going to not flood the market, you're going to have a great cigar at the same time that when people have it, they're going to want more, and then you're going to provide it in a way that has people hold out hope that they could possibly get it. Like that's what you would try to do. Um, you know, we haven't tried that. It just kind of happened by mistake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you wanted to make sure they were good products. Yeah. So we, yeah, yeah we focused, you know, that's one of Lito's testaments too, is he's like, I always just want to make a great cigar. That's always been his business philosophy. Um, so he made a great cigar in the Andalusian bowl. And I think everything he makes is great, but that one specifically is exceptional. Um, so everything else fell into line and he maintained the, just making a great cigar. So those other things I just talked about fell in line. Yeah. 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 So tomorrow night is our event at Conway. What is something that you want people to, you know, come away with at the end of the night? Well, hopefully to learn how to cook tomahawk pork chops and uh, and to enjoy charcuterie boards that they got lined up. But um, no, I, I just want people to have fun with it. Um, you know, the people that are in, in the event uh, in person, you know, I want them to enjoy something they haven't been a part of before, um, a style of cooking they may not have tried. They're going to be trying something a little bit different. You know, we're doing a Japanese barbecue uh, with the pork, uh, we've got some wild boar sausage that we've got lined up for tomorrow. We've got some truffle cheese, Looks a good. fromage station uh, that we've got. We're going to do some veggies. So, yeah, I want the people in person to have a little bit of variety of something that they're familiar with that tastes a little bit different. And then those watching online, I, it's just something fun that they can enjoy and sit down and kind of have a, you know, an escape and, and a chance to enjoy a nice cigar with, with uh, people of... You know, I think it's fun to watch people enjoy themselves, yeah, yeah. and that's the fun part of the virtual session. Is there's people? I say virtual session. It's not virtual. It's a broadcast. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's I want people to enjoy people enjoying themselves, and I want them to enjoy it because of that. So I, I think that's the fun side of the broadcast, and uh, it's the dynamic of actually doing it in person uh, creates a you know a special atmosphere around it. Well, that was one of the greatest feelings I had when I when I worked in the kitchen was. You know, it might be total hell and chaos, you know, on the line, but then you see the people up front and just either the smile or they're just not saying anything at all. They just, and they're just eating. That is, it's a rewarding feeling mm-hmm. seeing. Yeah. Seeing if they that. knew the disaster that went into make it happen. <laughs> How many times you almost quit in the back? Oh God. You know, the- oh God. The restaurant industry. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, there's a gentleman that I'm looking at, at uh, for one of the positions that we have open. He's a chef, mm-hmm. an actual chef, and uh, he's just looking for, you know, a change of business. And it'd be great because he sees the culinary stuff I'm doing. I'd love to have him part of it. 
And uh, the last job he had, he's like, he goes, I had a problem my last job. He's like, there was two chefs there. He goes, the problem was neither of us were alcoholics, drug addicts, and or had anger management problems. <laughs> he goes, so obviously, he goes, we both knew what we were doing and making yeah. money, so the, the guy let us go. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, that's how it happens, man. If you had a drug addiction, you'd be you'd be set. You got to, yeah, because... You got to be, you got to have one. Yeah. Almost. You got to, yeah. Anger management, drug or alcohol problems. <laughs> um, yeah. One of those two. I've got a, uh, and so, you know, I, I grew up in the restaurant field. I was, a, I was a Sioux for a while. And then I, I have people, you know, they say they want to get in the restaurant field. I was like, it's awesome. I was like, it's hard to have a relationship unless that same, you know, unless your partner is in the same field because you're always going to work weekends. You're always going to work holidays. You're always going to work nights, stuff like that. But I was like, read kitchen confidential. If by the end of that book, you still feel like you want to do it, then go, go at it. It's like, you can take the, the, the way of like Le Cordon Bleu or CIA, or you can take the way of dishwasher, work your way up. And then you get like yep. mad props that way. So it's, well, I do have a lot of people ask me, they're like, oh, when are you going to open a restaurant? You know, is that the next step? And I'm like, are you freaking crazy? <laughs> that's hard. I yeah. was like, that's nuts. I was like, I go, first of all, I love what I'm doing. I mm-hmm. love cigars. I love the Gomez family. You know, treat me like family. Um, and I just appreciate what they do as a company and, uh, and as individuals. So I'm like, I'm like, are you nuts? I'm like, and I get to travel around the country cooking. I'm like, mm-hmm. I get to, like, why would I want to open up a restaurant? Yeah. I was like, that's the last thing that yeah, you, I consider you, you doing. Get, you get all the perks without all the, without all the bullshit. Involved. Yeah. Yeah. And then honestly, I'm doing it on my own for the most part. So it's like, I don't have to deal with like servers. I don't have mm-hmm. to deal with food runners yeah. and none of that stuff. Nobody works for me. You know, at the event, I have my my, my team members with me, but yeah. they're doing their cigar thing and assisting with the food and whatnot. But I mean, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. Like I, uh, I'm like they have rest restaurant. Like get out of get out of here. Like absolutely not. Like I'm almost forty. Like I don't want to do a restaurant. Yeah, I no. would. I love them. I have concepts for it, but absolutely not. Yeah, it's it's uh it's I whenever I had mine it. You know, I was Sue at one and, you know, the menu was mine to take care of and stuff like that. I, I had all the fun, but not all the uh, the worries of like front of house and shit like that. So I love that. But there's nights where it's, you know, like I miss working the line, but then you see like the craziness involved. You're like, ah, I, do I really miss it that much? I, I, I don't know. It does have a lot of immediate reward to it, in my opinion. Like at the end of the night, you, you put in an honest day's work. It was hard. You made people happy. Um there is something special about it. I mean, trust me, the itch is there. Mm-hmm. I just worked in restaurants since I was 12 years old. And I was like, you know, I, I don't, now that I got a, you know, we, we mentioned I got a family, I got a baby on the way. So I got a family coming and I'm like, the worst thing to do with a child coming is to like get involved in the restaurant industry. Uh, and, and if anybody's listening, I'm not saying that was even a thought in my head, but when people ask me, you think about it, you're like, Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no, like the, no, like that's the, the worst decision yeah. to make at this point in my life. And, uh, so I'm fortunate I'm with a company that I that I might eye on on their their eye they, you know their vision for the future, um, and it's allowed me to to do this creative side of it with yeah. something I'm passionate about as well and and it's been fun you know the consumers are into it the retailers are into it you know yeah. like it's it's turned into you know Brandon said to me he's like hey man I'm just honored to do this event like thank you so much like that to me is awesome yeah where it's like you know we're doing 16 of these and we have 2,200 accounts and there's 16 of them yeah um, that's fun. Yeah. You know, and I'm doing it in places that, that, um, you know, that we have strong relationships with personal and professional and, uh, you know, season two is going to be fun. We're going to add some more people to it, but, uh, it's just been awesome. You know, if you want to do it, then we got to be on the same page, you know? So like season two, if you're listening and you're a retailer, how do you get involved in it? 
Uh, we got to follow a proven product. Like this is working. This has yeah. worked great. Yeah. Um, if you're a, well, I want you to stand behind a counter and we should do this. No, it's not going to happen for you. This is not going to be a thing that works. Uh, but yeah, it's just really rewarding to hear that. That for me is great. And, uh, and you said you cut out all the other stuff that comes with the, the restaurant business. It's like, I get to be told thank you and that you're honored, and I didn't have to have a 16 year old server <laughs> scream at me. Yeah, for three hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, like I can't wait to go back through the archive and just you know do do them all. And you know, I I have a setup at, at the in the backyard of my house. It has a covering like this, but got a TV out there, so I'll be able to throw it up on that and have the grill going. And you know, mm. I can't can't wait for that. Especially we're I mean we're in the middle. I mean grilling season for true yeah. grillers is year round, but now since we're coming up to you know we're in the balls of summer, summer pretty much right now. Just yeah. So if you jump on, and, if you jump on hackinggourmet.com or the hacking gourmet on YouTube, it's got all the sessions on and all the episodes. Uh, the website's got all the packages listed too, with links to get to meat and bone. And if you do jump on there, uh, your first order, you type in hacking gourmet as a discount code at the end of checkout. And they'll give you a discount there uh, for jumping in on it. But all the packages are there. So yeah, it's fun. It's been awesome. And uh, I was at cigar shops anyway, and we've done a cooking event here. I mean, the one you saw was we did, that was, excellent this yeah. the one we're about to do tomorrow is on steroids yeah uh, i mean this is a real yeah. deal and um was that our anniversary or yes yeah, four, yeah. four year anniversary yeah. Yeah. and uh so like what's happening tomorrow is the next level situation uh, it's it's that on steroids as i said um and it's just a really enjoyable thing to be part of and i said i'm already at the cigar shop anyway so yeah. i was like i might as well do something and, well, and, and have and, people enjoy themselves and people still talk about that steak from two and a half years ago yeah i remember there was one guy that was like, oh, I could do better. And I was like, well, you know what? And I was like, next time you can friggin' do it. So if he's listening, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow and you can put pork shoulder all day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, for I think for retailers, it, it really is is neat because you're finding a way to, to create an experience. And and there are a lot of, we do a lot of events. I mean, we try to do, you know, one every month, you know, sans COVID, but a lot of them just get, are the same, you know, and this is something very unique to, to offer to your customers and, and, uh, you know, that they're really going to enjoy. And so people are really excited about it. I know I'm excited about it and, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a ton of fun. I think you had to have the idea of, of this before that four year anniversary, like, because, you know, you stepped up and made that a, a special thing, you know, due to circumstances. And I mean, it was kind of a, a last minute deal, and it really turned out great, and people loved it. You know, so kudos to you for pulling that off. But I have to think you had been thinking about this kind of stuff for for that to be able to. Hey, we can do this, and it's, it'll be cool. When I was in grad school, I worked part time. I got paid in cigars and beer, and at a cigar nice. shop, and we did cooking events. There was a couple of chefs that hung out there, so we were doing these cooking events, and we started doing you know little. We did you know a St. Patrick's Day thing, and whenever we had an event, the chefs would come around. We all cook, and I'd kind of coordinate with them. And then uh, when I started as a sales rep, I was doing this event program called the Night in Santiago, which we still do now. Um, some of them are virtual. You can find it on LFD's YouTube page, and they're on Facebook, too, where we do a virtual farm and factory tour. And that was really successful for us. We did probably four of them during COVID. Um, you know, it was really successful because it was a virtual show. You know, we had Tony on there, uh, the sales rep that we have. Our sales manager, Kyle Shackleton, was part of it, and I moderated it. And... Um, but I started that as a sales rep, you know, 10 years ago. I was doing Night in Santiago's, and what I did is I'd go to the cigar shop as a, as a sales rep, and I'd cook a Dominican-style dinner. I'd do churrasco, rice and beans, plantains, a whole deal. And um, so we were doing some of these cooking events. Now, it got a little too much for me, 
after I got promoted to do it because I was rebuilding a sales team, like changing how we operated on the road. So we had always done a bunch of cooking events uh, around. So when we approached and we had a challenge with what well, the challenge was, Alito had a medical situation and couldn't come up. Right. And we're like, oh, we got this four year anniversary. And I was like, well, I got a better idea. Uh, you know, an alternative to this. And it turned out to be wildly successful. So yeah, yes, I have all these plans in my head. I have most of them down on paper. I've got five other concepts on paper for different hacking gourmet things, things that aren't hacking gourmet, uh, things that are LFD. I have a concept for crown heads that we haven't been able to do yet. Uh, we're pairing food, music, and cigars together. Um, so yeah, I've got tons of different concepts and ideas. Because I remember when we, we put this idea together, I was like, give me like 10 minutes. I said, I'm going to call you back in 10 minutes, Brandon. You're like, all right, (laughs) fine. So I call him back in 10 minutes and I'm like, we're going to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this is how it's going to work. And this is how it's going to happen. I need a charcoal grill and that's it. And, and it went together. So yeah, I do have a lot of these things down on paper. I have a folder in my computer with a bunch of different things and, uh, you know, trying to make it unique and special each time and different. So this has kind of been a culmination of all of that combined. Um, and at the same time, now that it's working, there's ways to jump off on it. And season two will be, will be, you know, will be an improvement on that. What is, what is something that people need to grill that gets overlooked? Game meats. People are afraid to eat game meats. Uh, it doesn't have to be wild game. Like, you know, if you're buying from, like if you buy elk online, that's farm raised. Now mm. it's in open fields, but it's farms. Mm. You can buy elk and like antelope. You can get an antelope from like Texas elk. You can get elk from Colorado. Um, but people shy away from uh, from game, whether it be wild game or not, because they think it's going to be a really different flavor profile. I, I think game gets really overlooked. Ostrich, Elk, antelope, for sure. Antelope tenderloin is amazing. Um, yak. Yak is probably my favorite game meat. Yak's amazing. Yak ribeyes are out of this world. Um, bison, I think, gets the best rap mm-hmm. in terms of game meat because it's the closest thing in terms of flavor to steak. Yeah. You know, like a cow, like they people taste it and it tastes very similar. It's just like eating it's, a lean. It's cow on steroids. Yeah, it's, it's a, well, it's, yeah literally sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it's just a leaner <laughs> version. Um, but I think gaming gets so, totally over overlooked because people are like, oh, I can't eat steak all the time because it's so much cholesterol, isn't that? Game meat's not fatty. Uh, and it's got tons of flavor off of the land that it's eating from. Um, grass-fed cattle, same mm. way as really like eating wild, you know, eating game. And I, I think that's v- very much overlooked. And if people like red meat... That's an area where you, if you wanted to add red meat to your diet on a regular basis, game meat's the way to do it. And you don't have to break the bank. I mean, there's some interesting cuts of meat. I mean, ostrich isn't crazy expensive. Um, And, you know, yak. I said yak was the funnest one I had last year where I really wanted to try it because that's a really weird-looking animal. Mm -hmm. It's furry and got all sorts of hair all over the place. So when I had yak, I was like, man, this is great. And I I I haven't had it now for probably about six months. But, yeah, to answer your question, game, game meat totally overlooked because people are like i don't want to eat this or i'm not going to eat that because it tastes no it doesn't um it's super healthy for you and if you didn't know what it was you'd be telling me it was it was cow yeah and i I like doing like veg on open fire too i mean if you if you got like a vegetarian friend or a vegan friend you throw like a maitake mushroom on a grill and it, it once it's cut up you would you it's hard to tell that like oh this is a mushroom and not a piece of meat because it just has mm-hmm. all that meatiness to it. You know, throw on some some sort of greens or something. Get that char where you're talking about char on greens of some sort. Man, it opens up so many different f- flavor profiles and and everything like that. There's you know there's the 
the it's endless on what you can do when you just take that step out of your comfort zone yeah. and throw it on the fire. No, I 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, I'm not uh, exotic in my grilling. I cook steaks, but I do like, like th- you know, usually we'll eat asparagus with it, mm-hmm. and throwing that on the grill is so much better than baking it in the oven. Oh, God, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean. Yeah. It just adds so much more flavor to it. Fish, too. I mean, I, I like doing a lot of fish on on grill. And Well, I watched, I was watching that barbecue show we talked about earlier on Netflix, and there was a guy that smoked asparagus for like two hours. It was awful. Because it's all floppy. Right. Like those vegetables need quick char. Yeah. And they need some, you know. So it's still bright. They need some crisp to it. Right. I agree. Um, you know, so it needs to be fresh. So like the people overcook a lot. Like corn's one for me. People overcook corn. It's like, oh, it needs to cook. So it's like, I no, what it needs, corn, you can eat it off the cob raw. What it needs is some char and a little bit of heat to break down the sugars on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then you just eat it. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't need to cook corn so it's run. Uh, so it's, you know. It, it's you know soft yeah i like just keeping it in the husk throwing mm-hmm. it right on the coal or whatever and yeah it just needs some heat and then it just needs some char and it's delicious yep yeah and there's tons of stuff well is there anything else that we need to uh touch on for we touched on cigars we touched on food i threw in baby into the mix um yep. i threw in vegetarian girlfriend uh, we didn't talk about the status update on Facebook, which is beginning tons of traction. The relationship status <laughs> has, be, has it has it changed? No, it has not changed oh, yet. Okay. She did accept it, so it's not pending any longer. So we're good. Uh, but that will hopefully be changing. Over the, yeah, thank you very much. That Facebook will be changing. doesn't show it pending. That it would does, be embarrassing. It, right? it would be super embarrassing. It shows it. To, it shows it to me, and it's embarrassing enough to the point where I took a screenshot and sent it to her, and I circled it in red, and I was like, "Hey, babe, I'm like, hey, hey. if this pens much she longer, wanted to make it official, though. Yeah, if this pens much longer, we're gonna have a problem. So, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that. Paula and I show married on our Facebook. I'm never into that relationship status thing, but yeah. she was always into it. She's like, "Oh, we need to make some public statement." I was like. I was like, what are we, like 15-year-olds? Yeah. I was like, we had to update what's going on. I'm like, I'm posting pictures of food on my on my Facebook page and cigars and stuff. Like, this is going to throw a little, you know, wrench into it. So I, I did it for her. I think mainly it was pending because she was just overwhelmed that it happened. She woke up and she was like, couldn't believe it, I think. Um, so, yeah, we, we made it Facebook official, even though it's been very official. But, you know, good for her. Yeah, thank you. Deal. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I so have, I'm just checking right here. Facebook is not, where uh, everything that matters happens. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So it was a good announcement and said, yeah, we got a baby on the way, a little girl doing October. Uh, so that's going to be exciting. And, uh, exciting. Definitely. Everybody's like, oh, it's going to change your life. And I'm like, thank God. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, you're not going to get to drink and party as much. I was like, I've, I've hit the limit. Trust me. I'm ready. Right, Please, right. something change it. Right. Yeah. Right, I am on there. I just want to make sure that uh, it doesn't say pending. That I was. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, might I, showed married. Uh, dude, it I was, was worried for a second. Yeah. Because it doesn't let me see it. But then when I went to change it, it says your your friends will see Dad. it. Because my. Oh, Profile's showed, pretty. Fr- showed you pretty, that uh, you're married now. It's pretty locked down. Congratulations, so. Brandon. That's a big deal. Yeah, no, that that would be funny if I did put it out there for now everybody. I'll, I'll How many congratulations I would later. get? Yeah. Well, you no, know what's funny on Facebook sometimes, week. like people that have been on there for a while update some stuff because you get bored and you're like, oh, I can let me go look in. And then sometimes Facebook suggests you should update something. So you yeah. see somebody that's been married for like 30 years and they update. Oh, uh, like uh, Joe got married today. It was like. No, yeah. he didn't. He's been married for 30 years. And then it's like every comment's like, oh, congratulations. Yeah. You finally found a new wife. Then yeah. the wife gets on. She's like, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I got married when the camcorder still on your shoulder. That last one off. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be yeah we were married, awkward. I think, probably 15 years before I even got 
MySpace, let alone Facebook. MySpace. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I don't use Facebook. I, I have, I have to have it because just since I'm on the shop page and our show page and everything, yeah. it's like, so I had to put a picture on there and everybody like started coming like, oh, you're finally on here. Picture. I'm like, I trust me. I didn't, it wasn't, I didn't want to. It's just, I had to. You had to. Well, because, well, because I, I have a very uncommon name, but there was a few other ones out there like me. So B couldn't find me. So I just threw a picture of me on there like now you should be able to fucking see me yeah there uh there's not I anybody also, else that looks like him he may have the same name but there is no, no one else that looks like there's Aaron. a couple i think the unabomber looked like him Oof. no the unabomber did not the, the only guy that we talked about this the other guy the only guy is, is the guy of florida ranks <laughs> but he's gimli, gimli. Yeah. yeah gimli he, he's straight up gimli's taller than Aaron. you think oh yeah Aaron's six foot <laughs> Do you know what's amazing? All to chest me? too, by the way. Yeah, you know all chest. Amazing to me? Like, what kind of hair situation you got going on in the rest of your body? It's kind of awkward, but like, uh, you got your shaved. arms aren't hairy. Nothing. Like completely shaped. Nothing. But what's your back situation like? Nothing. nothing? Oh, I'm jealous. Man. Nothing like on my a, chest. Nothing on my legs. You know what's crazy? So I used to be bald, and so I grew my started growing my hair out like three years ago, whatever. And I like it, and I've got the beard going to cover up the extra pounds I put on from COVID. So when I feel comfortable with my body, you'll understand. You'll know because I will have shaved my beard off. Yeah. <laughs> but um. I, said I used to shave my head, too. so I never had back hair. And I never realized, because like, when you shave your head, you shave everything, right? So I was like, I got this, like, I was sitting there one day, and I'm like, man, my back itches, because I never look at my back. And so I go to scratch my back, and I'm like, why is there so much freaking hair? I never even realized. There was like a year <laughs> in of not shaving my head. And I'm like, man, I have freaking back hair. I used to shave it off. So it just went from, like, the neck to the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. like, so I never really <laughs> paid attention, but it's like, I didn't realize that my upper back, was so capable of hair growth. Yeah. It was kind of, you know, a masculine thing for me. Right. I really it felt a good about it. Big accomplishment yep. to no, your yeah. girlfriend told you. you to now I think it's disgusting yeah, and yeah. gross. But no, yeah. I, I got to the point. I mean, I, I'm covered in tattoos other than this section right here. Um, and I always said, like, when I'm, when I'm just going to, like, shave it all off. But I never had to get to that point because I just don't. What, what little fine hair I do have, it's blonde except for my head it is just fire engine red. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about that. Yeah. It was nice. <laughs> yeah, they had, <clears throat> I have fine hair as well, but when I got my tattoo, they, they shaved my arm. Yeah, sh- yeah, like, I mean, whenever I get tattooed, they, I still have to shave whatever yeah. section okay. it is, just to get rid of all the baby it. hairs and stuff. But, I thought maybe no, I was going to like, no, I was going to like, dude. no, I was like, I was going to nair everything just so, just so it, all the tattoos look more vibrant. But you were a swimmer, way. right? So you, you're, you're probably used to that shaving your whole body. <laughs> well, I didn't, when I was a swimmer, I didn't have that problem. Again, like okay. I've never had problem with, with No, hair. that's right. You just had the problem of throwing up in the pool. Yes. Have you ever, have you ever neared your chest? Yes. Have you ever accidentally neared your nipples? I, I've not, I don't have hair on my nipples. All right. So I accidentally one time was on a cruise and I neared my chest. I didn't need to because I don't have un, I don't have a lot of chest hair. But I was like, oh, I want this to look smooth. It was a spring break cruise. Uh-huh. I'm like, I was 25. I was in grad school. So like, there's going to be a lot of young women here. I need to be hairless. So I neared my chest. I just rubbed it everywhere. I had my nipples were hard for like six straight days, <laughs> like like boing, because it was it got irritated. It was the worst thing. So I'm like wearing a shirt around, and the oh, group of friends were with the girls were with, like they're like you can like it's not that big of a deal. I'm like, I go yes, it is a huge deal. I'm like I go it's it's bright red inflamed nipples, puffy. I was puffy like nipples. it's awful. Puffy I go it's, like, it's freaking awful. You could start you could have started your own uh, your fans. Yeah, my own yeah only, the only, only fans fan. didn't exist only then. Fans. Yeah, it yeah. didn't exist then. Sorry, so now I could have made a ton of money maybe i should go and and nair myself for people i mean that's somebody 
somebody's. That's somebody's. <laughs> Why would I open a restaurant where I can run an OnlyFans <laughs> and just right. nair my nipples yeah, every right. week? But yeah. just imagine that and grilling at the same time. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, big money. It's, oh, that's big, a that's big. a concept on a notepad. That somewhere. that Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah. It's a small Venn diagram, but so, they cross over somewhere. It's yeah. really deeply in one of my folders. Yeah, you know, way yes. down there. I'm fascinated by <laughs> the, the nearing uh, chef. Yeah, I'm fascinated <laughs> with the uh, music and food and. Uh, 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 what was the what was the cigar? It was the uh, Crown Heads. Crown Heads. Well, so what? That that would be cool. So I I, I didn't hear anything you said because in my head I was singing the Nair song, like girls love short shirt shorts. Nair for short shorts. So I was thinking like John loves skirt steak. Nair for skirt steak. John loves skirt steak. Yeah. So you're not old enough team. to remember that. That's from the seventies, right? Wow. They went into like the eighties. That was I their big it. thing. Yeah. So what were you saying about the crown heads thing? I, that fascinates me as a music guy <laughs> and a food guy, and I, I like the guy. crown heads a lot. The, the that's the the four kicks, right? Mm. Is one of one of my. I, I think the Le cigar last year was one of the real real underappreciated cigars last year. Yeah, I really liked the Lo- uh, La Coalition that they did, too. That was the one with Drew Estate. Yeah. I thought it was a great smoke. Um, I've smoked a lot of Crown Heads over the last year because of the, the, you know, working with them and Brian. Um, and I pitched them on the concept several times on shows about the music thing, and they're like, oh, it's a great idea. So I think they're just waiting for me to do it, but we all got so much going on, so yeah, eventually yeah. that'll happen. For them, a lot of their cigar, their brands are musically, they have some musical correlation. yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't the, think of it off the top of my head. They have, they they have, have, like the, well, Jericho Hill, the... Yeah. the um, They're like songs from a band yep. uh, that everybody would know, but I just can't think of it off the top of my head. Yeah, the, yeah, the Jericho BTS. Hill, those are all <laughs> BTS. No. Not BTS, okay. <laughs> well, I always joked around. I was like, some of their cigars there for a period of time sounded like a hotel address. It was like, this is the like a high-end... Like, they had the J.D. Howard. Yeah. That was like, oh, the JT, J.D. Howard Reserve. It's like a high-end Howard Johnson. Yep. And it's on the top of... Uh, it, 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 it has the restaurants, the Las Calaveras Mexican restaurants on the top of Jericho <laughs> yeah. Hill. Mm-hmm. Jericho Hill. That's clever. All right. By the time this show comes out, the event had already been happened, but... Make sure you check out everything on, what are the websites again? Give you go it. to hackinggourmet.com. Uh, the show will be on there after uh, after that. So right now, if you're listening to this, you can jump on and, and find that. It's also available on Hacking Gourmet on YouTube. It's also on La Florida Minicana YouTube as well. And then all of our other social media outlets on Facebook. So it streams live on Facebook and YouTube. So you can find it at hackinggourmet.com, Hacking Gourmet YouTube, LFD YouTube, and LFD Facebook. I will have our the, all the nice. session on there, and so. you can order you can order what you cook. Yeah, you can order you can order the meal package right from uh, meatandbone.com or you can just jump on the website at Hacking Gourmet and you can look through the sessions. It's got a link to buy those packages if you want to uh, want to grab that. Just remember to use the code Hacking Gourmet on the checkout, and they'll give you a deal. Awesome, sounds good. Well, if you do do that, send us pictures of your you know final product and let us know how how you enjoyed it. And uh, I can't wait to you know go back like I was saying through your archive and. And look back through some of the old ones and, and do that and that sounds fun. Yeah. So after this show, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get going and go to sleep because I got to figure out how to cook 88 pounds of uh, <laughs> pork shoulder bone in, um, and and somehow I'll figure that out in a period of six hours. So I'll figure it out. I'm like Restaurant Impossible over here. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. yeah. Well, so. Sir Jonathan, we appreciate you coming on and everything. That's right. And, uh, nice. You like that? Yeah. 
So, nice. All right. Well, we look forward to the event tomorrow night, and I can't wait. This is going to be my first event working at Conway, too. I've worked there before, but never an event up there, so that's going to be uh, going to be fun. And yeah, it's a great venue. If you have uh, if you come to Arkansas, you know, here in Little Rock, you got the West End location here, beautiful spot. Uh, I'll have to say you guys knocked it out of the park, Brandon, on the Conway location. The building's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful spot, and I haven't been there for over a year, so I know it's changed from uh, – when I was there, you weren't even opened the last time I saw it. So really? uh, being in there now that it's open and then hosting something like this, it'll be fun to, to work in that venue. So, and I know you, uh, you're the first retailer that's taken my request of Wi-Fi actually seriously. So <laughs> everybody's like, no, my Wi-Fi is good. I'm like, all right, your Wi-Fi is good for somebody to download emails yeah. during the day. I need that bandwidth. We're going to be uploading a 4K Ultra movie <laughs> uh, that's li- essentially that's live. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate you taking it very seriously. So if anybody's listening that's doing one of these in the future, the bar has been set for Wi-Fi. I know that it's actually set up good. <laughs> Knock on wood that there's no issues. Yeah. But uh, but thank you for taking that serious. Yeah. It was hey. working today. Good. Yeah. And you got a break in the weather. We got a little cold spell oh, coming oh through. Oh, my goodness, yeah. If this was last week, the heat index is like it 105. Was, it would been horrible. Yeah, yeah, I'm just happy to not be in Florida right now, man. It's, you walk outside and you're wet. Uh, <laughs> they're like, oh, it's 100% humidity. That, that means it's you're literally walking yeah, you're outside wet. wet. You're walking right. in, yeah. in, in, in a pool. Right. All right, should be a good, good time. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, we will see everybody next week. Be good. Later.